bloody hell. <coughs> oh, he's coughing all over the shop. I'm coughing all over the shop, Mez. I lost I'll my you, voice. I'll tell you what, kid. All right, this is the mental thing. And this happened on our last ski tour as well. Everyone coughing their guts up. Everyone's ill. Everyone's like, oh, I can't sing. Oh, I can't do this. Or I smoke like a chimney. I smoke hard. And every single time I'm just fine. I'm just fine. Like, I remember the uh, the other singer, Alex, was just like, how are you? How did you do that? Like, he smoked one fag and nearly coughed his lungs up. And he was like, how are you singing? How are you drinking? How are you just fine? With while smoking, and I was just like, "Well, hard as nails, mate." That's very true. I think you nicotine know? needs to run in your system for you to function. I mean, yes, uh, it has got me by the short and curlies, unfortunately. But you know, I don't. I don't necessarily think it's a look how tough I am thing. It's more of a I've smoked a lot for a long time, and my body's used to it now and the funny thing is it's like you were saying about when i had that oh hello everyone by the way uh hello, everybody yes we, pod. we've just i'd say i'm pretty much out of it now you're just getting out of the woods now we've we've uh, been experiencing this unpleasant virus that has been sweeping across the united kingdom and um for those who were listening last time i had my microphone now so don't worry, we, my dulcet, thick, rich tones are coming through. And it means the pedal can come out and play. Yeah, it does. It does with delay. Yes, 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 yes. And reverb. <laughs> Wonderful. Absolutely angelic. You can't go wrong with it, Mark. I mean... I'm shocked. My very cool. Yeah, you should be. You should be. Not many people get to hear that. So anyway, we're saying yes. Uh, As you were yeah. saying, we've 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 a couple of us have got the old Rona. Now we're all getting this cold that everyone's getting. Yes. And yeah, it sucks. It sucks so much that on Saturday, I blew my voice out so much that yep. I could not talk. Sunday could no. not talk. Monday couldn't talk very much. Tuesday, a little bit. Now I have this bit. But if I go in here like this. That's yeah, why I'm you can't hear my voice. So. I'm on first call for uh, backup vocals this weekend, aren't I, Marv? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not doing any singing for for a while. I think I don't blame week. you. It's um, the the cold itself is very, very brutal. Very brutal. I've had it. My partner's had it. And when I had it in 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 the midst of it, I thought I had coronavirus because it, it, I didn't have a temperature as such. I was warm. Uh, very, very mucusy, very, very phlegmy, mm, coughing, phlegmy. Mm. yummy, coughing all the time. And I noticed that when I went upstairs, I was out of breath. I was like, this is not good. I think I've got COVID. It's just not showing up. So I sent off a PCR, came back negative. So I was like, okay, you know, I kept doing lateral flows. Um, I wouldn't say I lost my taste as such. My taste changed because I had a blocked nose. Uh, which is obviously closely related to COVID-19 coronavirus. But yeah, so I, I I pooped my pants a bit on that. And I'm kind of fine now. The only thing is I've been coughing so much and the band have heard about this once or twice. Uh, I've been coughing so much that my ribs here, I think I bruised them because every time I cough, it, it hurts. It hurts like here. Um, coughing isn't 
the worst thing though, sneezing is even worse. I bet. I bet. Um, coughing, I can sort of, you know, bundle myself over, brace myself, get ready for that. Sneezing, I can't. It just happens. It's just poof. And it feels like someone's jabbed me in the side um, with knuckle dusters. It's very, very unpleasant. But I'm on my way out of that now. And I'm going to be the first one that's out of it because you you're still rough. Our singer is still rough. The bassist is still rough. The drummer, I think, is okay, but he's kind of sifting through it, I think. But anyway, he, he, gets, point, through it. he gets through it. He does. But my, my point was going to be if I stopped smoking at that very moment, it would be worse for me than if I didn't. Not only because of the lack of uh, nicotine in my brain. But when a person stops smoking, they bring up all of the crap that's on their chest and the little hairs at the back of your throat regrow. So it would just be probably like five times the mucus and phlegmy nastiness. On top of that, when the hairs at the back of your throat regrow, it irritates your throat. So I'll be, I'd be coughing twice as much. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to power through it. I'm planning on quitting at some point soon. So I would just say, just try and get as ill as possible all yeah. the time. Then you can yeah. just smoke and that's your excuse. But yeah, it sounds like a, it sounds like the intro to Sweet Leaf looped around and around. It really, really does. In the van, it's just dangerous. Like all the time, cough, 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 cough. So yeah, so we've been gigging. It's not been as busy as it has been. Um, it's been Start, starting to die down a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, leveling out somewhat. Next year, again, is going to be silly. We are in Eleusis. We are planning uh, who we're going to record the EP with, where the release date is not even on the horizon yet in terms of... Um, Can't even see it. No, it's not there yet. We need to... We need to we're, fi- we, we're just finishing off two tunes. Uh, we had a big discussion about what tunes are going to go on it. Uh, I had not a disagreement with somebody, but... It was more of a, you know, I joined the band at a time where all of our current songs that we play were already written. Uh, I've added bits and bobs, but nothing, nothing huge. And um, it kind of didn't get to me as such, but I was kind of like, why are we wasting time talking about it? Why don't we just record all of what we play? Uh, Call it a moment in time, but this person didn't want this and oh we feel like this section should be changed you know stuff like that um but no, it's it's very exciting i'm very much looking forward to getting it done getting it out there uh we got a couple of gigs coming up which is very nice so i'll uh, drop them drop them down at some point and tell people to get the backsides in place um so yes it's uh it's going okay i did a lot of washing up today and i haven't actually played guitar today which is interesting for me because I play guitar every single day without fail, but I will be playing guitar today nice. because I want to. So what are you gonna do? Nothing. That's I'm what I heard. Not gonna uh, do anything really. It's not no. my not my business. Not my shift no. in a way. Not your you know? shift. Uh, so yeah. How about you, Marv? You've been on some stuff, gigging a bit been of on some uh, stuff, gigging. admin stuff like that. I'm always on admin. I'm always Pick, doing emails. Picking up the slack that Mez drops. Hey, that's, and you've said it. I'm not, that wasn't me saying that, everyone. So just to let everyone know, that was Merritt saying that about himself Here we go. to me. So Here I can only go. quote now that and I'm picking up Merritt's slack. 
you're a nerd mate you do know that, i'm the you? biggest hugest nerd ever in the whole world i think i've written like 14 pages of research what a loser. and i looked at what i looked at the workout about five thousand words so what a loser i am literally writing essays <laughs> which is good yeah it is it's fantastic um it's just quite funny to be a part of because it's like it it probably makes it seem as though i don't do my homework but i do do my homework haha <laughs> <laughs> do do um you just tend to find that Marv always has some sort of convoluted, more interesting thing to say about George Harrison's pets, nails, birthmarks, and his mother's uh, acting bats, double danger don't, zone. Don't give them all of the, the nice, juicy secrets away. You just, you uh, know, yeah, trying to keep you, you, some of the yeah. good stuff. No, I love it, Marv. I, lo- I, love, I love how in-depth you go. Uh, I love the fact that most of podcasts, a lot of the time, is you just going, and again. And this happened. And then this so happened. Yeah, exactly. So I, I think we should make some sort of 50 ways drinking game where every time I mention how fantastic the Beatles or Queen or whatever band I like is, yeah. or every time you go, and again, or every time I uh, talk about how society's a freak show and we live within it, and uh, please give us all your money. We should take a shot. I think we should do that. 50 ways to drink yourself to death. There you go. That's a nice, that's a nice uh, alternative podcast reality there. Yeah. But yeah, can't do it this month, can we? No, I can't. Ladies how is, and gentlemen. How is, how is sober October going for you, Mez? It's all right, to be fair. Um, I went and saw my mum yesterday. Good old Max. She pulled out this bottle of beer that um, her partner had bought for me. And I was just like, Alex, lovely. I'm not drinking it now. <laughs> and she was like, oh, will it keep? Will it keep? I was like, well, it'll have to because I can't drink it now. I'm doing sober for October, uh, supporting Macmillan Cancer Support. Um, and yeah, to be honest with you, it doesn't really feel much different because it's not like I come home and have a drink. At gigs, I drink. Um, so every time we played a gig, and like our bassist Rob or our drummer Jake goes against a pint. I, I am there like, you're right. You can yeah. sniff out the hops, man. It's free. What what you, it's a job where you get uh, free drinks given to you. What are you, what are you drinking there? That sort of, you know, it's about, about yay high. It's yeah. quite an orange, orangey, brownish, yellowish sort of supping liquid. Like 568 milliliters there. It smells quite, it smells hoppy. Mm, crisp. Crisp, cool, largery beer, refreshing. But uh, other than that, it's uh, it's not really affected me. I, I'm doing okay. Um, I'm not a huge drinker. I have been known to uh, enjoy my beer, and I do enjoy my beer. You know, I enjoy a drink. It's good. It's good stuff. Um, but yeah, so I'm not doing that for this month in aid of Macmillan Cancer Support. If you want to donate then you can. It can. It'll be down below. It will be. We'll, we'll put it down that. in the old description. We'll link that indeed. And indeed. Um, please give generously. I've donated myself because I support myself. So yeah, you got to get by. you got to do what you got to do. So, yes, um, that's pretty much it, I think, Marv, in terms of updates, go. I think, um, we've, I think we've given everyone our updates for our life. Yes. So basically, it's, yeah, we gigged. Yeah, we're in the van. Yeah, I chilled at home. Yeah, I did a gig. So yeah. we live 
we live crazy lives all right we are just Dangerous the most people. rock and roll people in the world who do the most crazy things one minute i'm in like you know lancashire the next minute i'm back in bristol that is and then i'll go wales and then i'll be back in bristol you're right yeah so yeah that is patch us if you can that's what i'm saying here's here's something cool so i've got a snazzy new pair of jeans Ooh, and they got zippies snazzy. down here yeah right, i'm gonna try and hang on i can see the zip at the bottom yeah and then so what's the can, zip on the side then do your flappy bits this zip uh, i've got a pocket here right i'm scared this zip, it's an extra pocket Oh, for everyone listening on the old audio, the old Spotify, he's, you know, Mara's got a nice little uh, perch on his right leg. He is, oh, he's in a bit of ASMR there. Go on. Yeah. He's... That is him unzipping the extra zip on his yeah. jeans. That's madness. Go on, zip it back up, boy. Yeah. So uh, that's quite exciting. Um, ladies, one at a time, please. Ladies, one at a time. <laughs> <laughs> Plenty of mess, but you got a portion control, you know what I mean? Uh, other than that, um, patrons, you can expect a new video from me talking about two new guitar acquisitions in the next couple of days or so. Lovely. <laughs> other than that, let's get into the meat of bones of it. So, this week, we make what we, what we What are we doing this week, then, Mess? Tell us well, now. Let me well, interrupt you so I can introduce you again, right? Tell us what you're going to do now. Oh, do you, so you want me to tell? Yeah, yeah. Um, just tell yeah. us what you're gonna. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You sure? Because yeah. I was, I was just, just gonna, I was just gonna talk about something unrelated, mate. To be honest with you. No, I reckon put on all your effects and do a nice okay. big, you know, what the title of the uh, this episode is going to be. The reason why you can hate an album, right? Go for it. Today, we are doing sell out albums. Nice. Um, I thought I'd uh, do that. That was quite entertaining. Okay. Now, I had a few uh, thoughts and processes with this. So a lot of the bands I listen to don't necessarily have sellout albums. Um, the closest thing I could equate, the Black Album, Metallica, which we said we were going to talk about today. Never heard of it. No, it's, it's all right. A little um, small release, is it? Yeah, sold a couple. couple sold yeah. a couple, I think. Uh, looking, at, looking at over... Queen's stuff. I mean, Queen didn't really care. Um, they just released stuff and it was uh, received well. Uh, if you're going to call anything of theirs a sellout, it's going to be their greatest hits. Co but they're compilations. They're compilations. They already released those on albums separately, you know? Yeah. Um, with a band like Queen, you know, the same happened with a lot. We were discussing this the other day. They, they survived beautifully throughout the uh, 70s and the 80s. They morphed. They're saying they changed. But this episode isn't about that. This episode is about bands that specifically sold out due to seeing success from a particular formula, um, which, you know, to be honest with you, there's a compelling argument to be made for both sides, but we'll get into that in a bit. So I chose Maroon 5. Hey, I, I can hear it now. I can hear yeah. everyone being like, yeah, what a sellout band. What a yeah. sellout band. Or even, so, can you even call them a band? Not anymore. Not really. In a way. In a way. So Maroon 5. Now, uh, my first experience of Maroon 5 was This Love. Uh, this Love is well known. That's not Pantera, This Love. Maroon oh. 5. Also a banger. But anyway, I remember hearing This Love. And I remember thinking, this is, this is quite cool. You know, it's a band. There's instruments in it. 
Um, the lyrics are a little bit risque in places. Well, there's only really one place it's risque, and you know where it is, Marv. I know where it is. I... Oh yeah, oh yeah. It's a bit risque, but it's it's a cool tune. It's a really cool tune. Them too in my analysis. Um, I didn't listen to every single thing Maroon 5 have ever done, but I am aware enough of them to make a compelling argument for and against these things. So I looked at V or 5, but I think it's called V. And I also looked at songs about Jane. Uh, now, V or 5 was released in 2014 um, at a time where, you know, pop music was very accessible extremely sort of you know there were there were a couple of leading artists in this genre at the time and this album there there were a lot of bangers actually i think personally i i think you know despite the fact we're talking about sellout bands and stuff the songs are extremely accessible however i did notice that there's still some lyrics that are a bit risque uh, yeah, now when i, I say that we hear the f-bomb once or twice i was just like oh there you go i was I was doing I was doing my washing up the other day and I was listening to it and I was, I was just like, was that the F word? How very <laughs> naughty. Anyway, I'm going to give you some backstory because uh, a lot of people know Maroon 5, but a lot of people don't know a lot about Maroon 5. I, I am, to some extent, still one of these people. So Maroon 5 is an American pop rock band from Los Angeles, California. Now, Yes, I will agree with that statement. Pop rock. Um, Without a doubt. Pop rock is yeah. what they've <clears throat> they've never changed from that format. That's what they started as. And you could agree that that's what they still are. Yes. But with varying degrees of pop or rock. Absolutely. Absolutely. I was going to say with emphasis these days on the pop side of things. Something I noticed was as you as you get later and later into their discography, less um, instruments are there. Whereas Indeed. before they were a band, now it's very risery, you know. Currently, we've got Adam Levine, who sings. He's a vocalist. We've got keyboardist and rhythm guitarist Jesse Carmichael, which I think is a great name. Jesse, if you're out there, we need a coffee, son. It we sounds like um, it sounds like someone from Saved by the Bell. Yes, yes, it does. It's a here. He is the cool kid, Jesse Carmichael. That that is exactly it, isn't it? It's very much like that. It's very cool. I'm into it. Lead guitarist James Valentine, who I got a lot of respect for. I got a lot of time for James Valentine. I think he's great because his name's James. Yeah, pretty uh, much. That's it. Drummer Matt Flynn, keyboardist PJ Morton a multi-instrumentalist and occasional bassist, Sam Farrar. Um, so before they were called Maroon 5, they were called Kara's Flowers. And this band came together in 1994. And that's about it. So... Uh, you've got Levine, Carmichael, a bassist, Mickey Madden, and drummer Ryan Dusick. Like digging. Um, 
and the band's to reprise records after release. They sort of got a, a good-ish response, but it was very much sort of like, oh yeah, you know, they exist. That sort of deal. Which a lot of bands do when they when they when they begin in that sort of vein. So the label dropped them and they focused on college. We'll come back to that. Nice. In 2001, they started again as Maroon 5, going in a different direction, adding James Valentine to the mix. And they signed on Octone Records, which was an independent label, and it had a separate uh, joint venture. Is that the right way to explain it? Yeah, it had a separate sort of relationship with Jay Records, and they released songs about Jay, which I think is, I'd say the best album. I would. I think it's their best album. Yeah. I would say so. It's it's just different, you know. It's it's indie rock, and there's the occasional funk tune or funk, you know, setting and stuff like that. I think it's very interesting. Um, very I mean, based in it's very based in the seventies, is that's what I yes. think it is. But for thirty years later, I can't really think of many bands doing that. Apart from no. like some of the Neptune's work on like uh, Justin Timberlake's first album, that kind of like raw drum sound. And just use of traditional instruments. I would, yeah, very much agree with you. Um, in fact, it's interesting when I think of Maroon Five, I do kind of lump JT in the same sort of bowl um, yeah. because, obviously, I would say that Maroon Five and JT were both releasing uh, some of, if not their best work, around a similar time. You know, the noughties, yeah. early noughties, and JT still releases some good songs. If you uh, glance over, can't stop the feeling. Oh, banger though! Come on, oh, it's a good tune, but I mean, Senorita, it is not. That is true. Or sexy back, man. Give me some tunes, JT. I love you, <laughs> kid. So yeah, the songs about Jane. That was in June two thousand and two, and their singles were "Harder to Breathe," "She Will Be Loved," great, great songs, and this love. Um, and the album peaked at number six on Billboard 200 chart, and it went quadruple platinum in 2005. Which, you know, three years after, I'm assuming that's like a like a, an accumulation. So it was obviously selling and selling and selling and selling. And by three years later, it went quadruple platinum. I think it deserves it. I think it's a fantastic album. I think it holds up well. It is dated in places, like you said about that whole that seventies thing, with the raw drum sound and the funk elements and the, the the rock injections and stuff like that. Definitely, yeah. There, there, there is quite a lot there where you're like, yeah, this is quite naughties, you know. Yes, yes. Um, but I think it holds up well. I'm into it. I think it's a great album. I think it's worth a listen even today. And in the same year. The band won the Grammy Award for Best New Artist, um, which, again, well-deserved. It's a great album. In 2006, uh, Dusik left the band after suffering with serious wrist and shoulder injuries and was replaced by Matt Flynn. And then, yeah, so the reason why I listened to two albums, and I listened to a few in between as well, uh, I'm aware of Maroon 5, you know, I know what their stuff's like. And there was enough there for me. There was enough pieces of the puzzle 
for me to be able to sort of piece it together with what I already know. And slowly but surely, it becomes the Adam Levine show. <laughs> We've discussed this at length, and we know it happens. And it's kind of, it's difficult to pinpoint for me the exact moment because uh, V is like complete new sound, complete new sound, completely different. You're like, oh, there's a, there's a guitar there. Oh, there was a guitar there. Yep. That's, that's that then. Three songs later, like piano, piano. Oh, now it's gone again. It's, uh, it doesn't mean it's bad music. It's not bad music. It's just, I, I suppose for me, it's versus that, going back to what I said about Queen, how they dramatically altered their sound and they changed, but they were still Queen. Um, it's totally different, totally different. And I mean, I think I'd be very interested to see what Maroon 5 were doing right now if they hadn't made that drastic change to their sound. And it's all about Adam Levine and that's what he's doing. And oh, he's taking his top off at the gig oh he needs a different tattoo artist doesn't he really oh he <laughs> looks a bit like a school table in 2002 very um, true yeah that's mm, yeah come on mate do something about that having said that what a guitarist oh my he is, god he is slept on as a guitar player he's not you know nowhere near in the category of like in the discussion of who's the best guitarist in the world oh, no. but no, no, he's no. got a good feel he's got yeah. a good playing style good tone everything like that but he used to play guitar and sing yes. and then they just went maybe just focus on the singing and that was definitely the best option yes uh this is kind of the thing because it's difficult because uh, as as a podcast as 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 a pair of chums we like to discuss things in terms of as as human nature dictates is it's that whole thing of if you if you go to a restaurant and you have a bad experience, you're more likely to remember it than if you'd gone to a restaurant, had your meal, it was nice and paid and went home. You're exactly. way more likely to remember it. And that's kind of the deal with a lot of bad experiences. Um, like when I first listened to... Um, uh, Go on, everything. Get there, get there, get there. Come on, Mez. Uh, the, the bad live album I did, the... Um, where it was John Lennon, Eric Clapton, and Yoko. Yoko. Go on. Go on. Toronto. Toronto. Oh, on. I can't remember, mate. Something about peace. I can't remember, but you know, give peace a chance or some something like that. Um, that stuck out in my mind because I'd heard it years before, <clears throat> and I was aware that, to my mind, I was like you know, strictly speaking, this is not conventionally good. That's a that's a discussion to be heard on that podcast episode, you know. Go back and rewind and listen to that. But that's kind of what I'm getting to. And these albums aren't bad. They're not bad. I didn't listen to them and go, oh, Christ, when's this over? I just listened to them and I was like, this is crazy because Maroon 5, I, I feel like in 2002, Songs About Jane was extremely fresh. You know, as, as you said, they still had that 70s drum thing and stuff like that. But it's it's fresh. It's new. It's like we were talking about um, Arctic Monkeys when they came about. Like now, it's not that it sounds dated. It's just like, yes, this was released back then, wasn't it? This was yeah. released nearly 20 years ago. Yeah, you can hear that. But it was still 
extremely fresh when it came out. And that's how I feel about songs about Jane. And even now, like I said, on back listening, it's, it's very interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. So, uh, as I said, they started as an indie rock band. They fused light sound and melodic vocals with occasional funk tunes. But over the years, and the lineup changed later, Maroon 5 shifted their style towards pure pop. Fans that loved the band in the beginning didn't receive the change very well. The band was labeled as a complete sellout and Adam and the Adam Levine show. However, I've yet to find them, but however, I'm lifting this off of uh, a website, by the way. However, there are a lot of people who say that Maroon 5 have always made pop music and nothing has changed. Everything is subjective. Give me your take on that, Martin J. Robinson. Oh, I'm going to jump straight in there. So <clears throat> I think it's true. They've always made pop music. Uh, I wouldn't call them a rock band at all. I think that they just dressed up. Their, their songs are more um, created on a guitar or on a piano. You could just kind of tell that. Um, and yeah, I think the main thing for me that's changed, it's the chords that they play. So you look at songs about Jane, especially the chord progressions, things like This Love that do have a couple of interesting chords. They have like diminished chords in there that somehow work. So it will be a simple chord progression, but they'll chuck one or two chords in that will make you go, they'll, they'll perk your interest. And what yeah. happens there is that it makes the music itself more identifiable. Absolutely. It makes it stick out more. I feel like, and they had a one, five, six, four song, you know, she will be loved. But even the, the way the chords are played and the guitar sound identifiable. I feel like then you go through their catalog, their second album has a lot of guitar intros and goes all the way through. But yeah, they then, I think you get to overexpose and yeah, yeah. there's just such a change there. Um, all the chords are a lot more simple. There's nothing, if you were to listen to the music on its own without the vocals, anyone could sing over it. Where I yes. feel like when you get to, when you get from songs about Jane, these kind of things, it still sounds like Maroon 5 at that time. But I agree. They're, they're moving along with trends. I think if they would have stayed the pop rock band that they were with traditional instruments, they'd be doing the songs about Jane 20th anniversary. We're going to play it in full because no one cares about our tens output. That's where they would be. So they're keeping themselves relevant. And you want to be in the discussion, but you also want to be in the discussion for the right reasons isn't it? Because this whole thing about selling out, I don't think selling out really, really is a thing today there. I mean, there I'll make my argument for my other, for my, my choice, but I think now it's all about getting attention from people and just putting it in front of them. So changing your sound, say I'd say in the noughties, maybe on downwards uh, earlier. Yeah. That's selling out. Maybe so much now, I think it's just like a free-for-all. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I would. I and would the points because... I've made? No, I disagree with everything. Ah, and that's it. That's the podcast, you know. That's the podcast. Uh, so uh, make sure you sign up. And uh, <laughs> No, no, I do agree with you. It's, um, it's not really frowned upon as much anymore. I've noticed since um, I've started moving back in 
the metal scene circles and stuff like that. Um, even there, it just doesn't, it's not as prominent as it was. There's, I don't know. I've, I've, I've had a few gigs that we've sort of applied for and it's almost like you've got sections of clean singing. Ah, uh, yeah, you might not fit in, mate. Yeah, I don't think you can. It's like, well, how's you work that out? Because I've listened to our, our, our breakdowns and our heavier sections, and they're heavier than the band's headlining. <laughs> so does it really matter? Just put on a metal show. Yeah, if it's, if it's kind under of the umbrella of metal. Yeah, from... what, what, what kind of metal, though? It's like it's it's metal. Who cares? Oh yeah, but nah, yeah, yeah. The fans will want, and well, the fans will want what I tell them to want. <laughs> so, that is stern look. That's a stern look. Yes, and it's it's factual when you think about it. The fans do enjoy what their bands tell them to enjoy to some extent. Ah, oh, you know. <sighs> Case in point, Brian May's solo album. Would I have enjoyed that album as much if it weren't Brian May's? Probably not. Do you mean in the sense of, how do you mean in the sense of, as in if you didn't know who Brian May was or if someone else had recorded those songs instead of Brian May? If someone else had recorded those songs, they're all exactly the same sonically and everything. Yeah. But would I still like it? Would I still have bought it? Because it's not Brian May. Probably not. Probably not. So in a sense, that means Brian May's telling me what to enjoy. In a sense. Always has. Always has. In a way. Um, And I listen to him. Brian, if you're out there, tell me what to enjoy. (laughs) I'm listening. I'm all ears. Just tell me what to enjoy. And you've met him twice. I've met him twice. And I didn't tell him either time to tell me what to enjoy. (sighs) And even if I had done, he wouldn't have listened. He was too busy talking about foxes. Oh, sod off. Um, but yeah, so that is kind of where I'm at. Um, with 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 your points, yeah, definitely. Selling out's not really a necessarily major social killing thing anymore, you know? It's just kind of like, okay, well, there you go. I think that's got something to do with the level of... How do I explain this? The way music's evolved, there are so many subgenres of extreme forms of that, you know, already built up genre. I think we're now at a point where it's like, oh, cool, you do music. What'd you do? Oh, I do pop. Oh, sweet. Can I hear a bit? It's just no, no one really minds anymore because there's been so much done. We've pushed the boundary so far. And for that reason, it's just kind of like selling out is not really a thing anymore. It's almost a competition as to who can do this and who can do that. I know there seems to have been a competition for years in the metal community as to who can go the lowest, who can make the heaviest this and that Mm. and this and that. Well, I can't to give up. Well, you've got um, two seven strings, put them together, 14 string. Imagine the 14th string, how low that would be. Low, very low. You can get 10 string guitars now, mate. Too much. Too much. That that's a lot. Um, to follow on from your point, though, I think what a uh, one way of maybe getting around this sellout mentality um, and keeping it real, because again, it's this whole like staying true to yourself, keeping it real, especially with communities like the metal community where it's very loyal and it's about the music and it's about staying in a scene, and that can apply to other genres too. 
I think then by going, we're metal, and they go, okay, and you play them some music, and they go, well, that's not metal because you have clean parts, you have this. You can go, well, no, we're, pro- we're progressive. We're progressive metal with a tinge of this, 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 this core. And then you go, oh, okay, then that's fine then. I think, I think the genres maybe help into uh, lessening the cries of selling out. That makes sense. Metallica, Fade to Black, second album, they're thrash, and they get called sellouts because they use an acoustic guitar. So even the type of instrument you play, which you can relate back to Maroon 5, calls you a sellout. So if you've got a multi-instrumentalist in your band, like you said, a multi-instrumentalist, an occasional bass player, or guitar and synth player, and first album has organ on it, keys and piano, Second album, yep. suddenly the first song, this is Maroon 5, by the way, synth straight away, yep. but guitar straight away prominent. So what they're playing necessarily hasn't changed the physicalities of that. It's just the sound of it. So they are still pop rock because what do you define pop rock as? Pop has synths and melody and harmony and is, I don't know, popular. Rock is guitar. That is basic form. So they're still pop rock. So even if the rock is dialed down to 5% and the pop is 95%. Even if on their songs later on, like you said, on five have about a couple of bits of guitar in it, you can still claim that as pop rock. There's still like an excuse, if that makes sense. Whereas yep. I feel back in the Dizzy, there wasn't so many genres to hide behind or to use maybe as an excuse or to kind of, X, or to explain what your music was. It was just, they're a rock band, they're a pop band, they're a disco band. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. <coughs> and there's a number of reasons as to... Oh, he's coughing. Oh, Love he's it. coughing away. Give me a little strepsol. As to why you can you can sort of say, why, you know, why did they just go for that? There's a lovely little quote here from Ryan Duzik. He's a, the original drummer of Maroon 5. He left the band in 2006 because of his shoulders and wrist injuries. He got those injuries because of constant touring. Um, I would say it's probably more down to something due with technique because obviously... Oh, yeah. Well, think about it. There are thousands of bands and musicians that tour constantly, and they, they're fine. Maybe he was taking his drumsticks into the bedroom, if you know what I mean. No. What do you mean? Oh, he's playing drums in his bed, and then he hit his hands. Proud of yourself? Are you you proud of yourself? No. 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 See, this is the problem. This is what I have to put up with. Oh, I'm the vulgar one out of us two. That is very true. I'm the most disgustingly vulgar person. Never mind the messages you were sending in the chat mere hours ago. Think about it, mate. Don't think about it. So, yes, between the time that we started making the album, being songs about Jane, and the time the album reached the crest of its success in 2004, we went from being starving musicians wondering what the future held to riding a wave of success beyond our wildest expectations. You're in that world. Um, you, you, you're the hottest thing about. And people are just going... Oh, you're amazing at this, you're amazing at that. And all of a sudden, your, your, your label, this could be the reason why, I could be wrong. Your label goes, 
that pop tune you did on the last record, well, that sold better than anything else. So can you do 12 more of those and put them on an album, please? So you do that. And you make more money and 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 more money. And more money for them. And loads more money. 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 So yeah, uh, I could kind of see, as we say, and you're right, you're absolutely right. Even if, even if there is just guitar on these tunes, it's still pop rock. It's still pop tunes with guitar on them. And guitar is, as you say, construed as rock music in its purest form. However, obviously there are different things that you could do with the guitar to make it not rock music. It kind of depends. Anyway, so here's a fun little story for you. Now, I said they stopped doing band stuff to focus on college, didn't I? Yes, you did. So James Valentine, the guitarist, attended Berklee College of Music with none other than John Mayer in 1996. Oh, both nerds. Oh, I went to uni and did music. Oh, nerd. Oh. Where they developed a rapport. And in 2002, they reconnected at a Mayer radio broadcast. After Mayer heard their album, he was so impressed, particularly by This Love, um, which, as we know, became the most successful release off that album and made the band what they are, that he invited them to open for him during his early 2003 tour. Uh, the first single, Harder to Breathe, slowly started to pick a better play, which helped sell the album. And by March, the album had become in the top 20 of the Billboard 200 and Harder to Breathe made the top 20 on the Billboard Hot 100 singles chart. Uh, so they got they got chums. They got chums in high places. Yeah, I really rate James Valentine. I think he's a cool dude. I do think he's the cool dude. So I'm just <laughs> going to find my bit. He might be the coolest one in the band, but like, I think so. by not trying to be the cool one, because Adam yes. Levine is being pushed down our throats as the cool one. But yeah, slowly but surely, it's like, yeah, he's not the cool one. He's not no. the cool one. So... We are going to jump forward to April 2013. Okay. Where James Valentine said the band was in the studio recording songs for the fifth album. The stuff we're working on now, it definitely has gone maybe a little darker in its sound, maybe back a little bit more to what we kind of did on songs about Jane. But at this point, we do have all kinds of different songs and it is early. I would focus on that last bit. Okay. Because maybe gone a little darker, maybe back a little bit more to what we kind of did on songs about Jane. So he's saying that the songs they're writing have the air at the minute in the early stages either sound like fear or thematically are like songs about Jane. They've done the classic thing of let's yeah. listen to our first record and go, hey, this doesn't sound like us now. Maybe we should do that now. Well, they didn't. Ah! Spoiler alert. <laughs> Sounds darker. Have you heard Sugar, Marv? Yeah, I've heard Sugar. It's it's very, very poppy. Mm. Not a little darker than what they've been doing previously. Nah. 
That's unless it's unless it's weirdly a cover of System of a Down Sugar. Ah, not just me then. In February 2014, Maroon 5 appeared to perform All My Loving and Ticket to Ride on the CBS show The Night That Changed America, a Grammy salute to the Beatles. To commemorate... Never heard of them. No? Ah, okay. To commemorate the 50th anniversary of the Beatles' arrival in the United States. Uh, have you ever seen that, Marv? I've not, no. Me Weird. neither. We should go and watch it. I'm gonna I'm gonna find it and link it as well in the description. I think I think we should do that because it's it's probably all right to be honest. They're not bad musicians by any length of the imagination. <laughs> anyway, Maroon Five transferred from A and M Octone Records, where they when they signed with Interscope, so they had been on Octone for all that time. Wow, so a long time, it's a long time to be on on a on a label certainly. And it was in partnership with Adam Levine's label, 222 Records. I'm starting to see a bit of a correlation here. <laughs> Adam Levine is, uh, it seems like he's a bit in charge. A bit of a Chod Krangan, if you will. John who Krangan. St- who I still need to fight. You still need to fight. People keep asking me this I, all the time. Yeah, I do need to fight. We you. need to make a t-shirt or a mug of that. Yes. For the next batch of merch, which yes, is available on our Etsy store. It'll be downloaded available on our links. So everything is encapsulated there and sign up to our Patreon. So it's everything else, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And you can listen to my saliva rhythm voice and I'll go. Yeah. Lovely. Is that lovely. a good ad? Lovely. That that was good, mate. i got a little idea brewing about something like that, but nice. I'll, I'll talk to you about that after. Okay. And they announced their fifth studio album, V, pronounced five. Roman numerals. Thank you, Maroon. Cheers, yeah. Which was released on September the 2nd, 2014. So the album's first single, Maps, was released on June 16, 2014. Ask me how Maps goes, Marv. How does Maps go, Mess? I can't remember. Uh... And peaked at number six on the Hot 100 chart. On August the 10th, the band headlined the Hyundai Card City Break, a rock festival in South Korea. Interesting. Interesting. At the 2014 MTV Video Music Awards on August 24, 2014, Maroon 5 appeared to perform for the first time with Maps and One More Night. Ask me how One More Night goes. Mess, how does One More Night go? I can't remember. Uh... The second single, Animals. Ask me how Animals goes. How does Animals go, Mess? I can't remember. I can tell you, it's very, very poppy. Ah, and I can just remember the chorus. What like sugar? It's a. Li- I would say actually, if you're looking for a darker song, yeah. I would say that animals does fit that category, huh. but it. Sh- I don't think it shares any similarities to songs like Jane, and okay. the music video has Adam Levine half naked, sweaty, blood all over her, and just you know, just typical Friday for him. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, just the usual sort of weekend plans. Yeah. Uh, So that was released August 25th, and it peaked at number three. Uh, So this album, Five, how do I put it? This album is good. This album is not bad. This album is good. This album sold a lot. Um, I think it should be rebranded, the Adam Levine show. 
And I think it also should be uh, thought of a lot in the same way as Curb by Nickelback. The reason I say that is because Curb is also not bad. Curb has some interesting ideas. Curb is also extremely forgettable. Extremely forgettable. I couldn't tell you a single song lyric or name of song. That's the one I was trying to think. No, I can't remember it. So, yeah, no, exactly. And I don't want to be mean about five, but it kind of is like that, mate. It kind of is. You're just like, oh, sugar. Does that mean I'm pretty much halfway through the album? Yeah, it does. Oh. Right. It's like um, you don't need to listen to the whole album. If you've listened no. to Sugar, then that tells you everything about the sound they're at then. You don't need 12 other songs to tell you that. No, you don't. No, you don't. But yeah, so it's, it is kind of, it is like that. Not even kind of like that. It is just <clears throat> Mez wrote a compelling review. Okay, well, give me two more days because I need to get to know this album. You know yeah. what I mean? Um. Yeah, so Maroon 5, that's kind of what they're good good at. Songs About Jane is fantastic. Really, really cool. Really cool album. Gave them, made them where, you know, build where they're at today. Five, eh, listen to it if you want. It's worth a listen to, but it's not, uh, as, as I said, I can't remember it. A lot of it, a lot of it passed me by, much like my, my late teens. Um, I'll tell you what though, Marv. What's that? I don't know how unpopular an opinion this is going to be. I'm very interested to see how pe- people are going to feel about this. Good grief. I'll explain the good grief in a minute. So, Maroon 5. Now, you are well aware of memories, aren't you? Memories? Yes. What do you mean, memories? The song Memories by Maroon 5. Um, no, I don't. It's the Is... one that uses Canon. Uh, yeah, I am aware of that song. You what, sorry? I am aware of that song, yes. I I, I think it's great. <laughs> I think it's great. Get out. Think... <laughs> All right, okay. Uh, for one, I can remember it. It's emotional. It conveys life experience across rather than just 14 songs of I love you in different keys with various synth patterns and the odd guitar. That's a good song title name. I love you in different keys. That is a good. No, it's not. Shut up. Um, So I remember it. Oh, my God. Why do I remember it? Because they use Canon. It's Canon. Which I think is also cool, but there was like, there was like a pandemic of its own of artists doing this because there was another one, wasn't there? What was the one that ripped off? Um, Please, Mister Postman. I'm a rebel just because. That's uh, Portugal, the man. Feel yeah. it still. Yeah, and I think it's cool when that happens. I think. Um, I think sometimes people do it without realizing, but those two examples certainly knew what they were doing. Absolutely. Especially as well, Seven Rings by Ariana Grande. Sampling, that's uh, my that's a sample things. at that point. That's a sample. That's that's not. Well, it was an interpolation, same as the. Uh, yeah, a homage, a homage. homage. Yeah. Homer. 
her word. Um, I I really like the idea of taking that an old melody like that and strapping it into something new. Uh, it, it, I think it really works in a lot of examples and with memories. This is a cheeky one. Canon was released quite a long time ago, quite a long time ago. For that reason, it's completely out of copyright. There you go. So now they've they've got no one to pay but themselves, and so it's a clever, it's a smart business move for one. And on top of that, it's I just think it's cool. I think it's cool. They've taken it and done something. It's like the Nokia ringtone. I'm assuming you've heard the original, where the Nokia ringtone comes from. Yeah, indeed. But now that's the Nokia ringtone. It's not the classical piece of music it was taken from. And I can't help but think there must be a generation of people out there who don't know Canon, but they know Memories. So they're going to hear Canon at some point and go, that's Memories by by Maroon 5. There you go. And the people that do know Canon will go, <laughs> that Maroon 5 song that rips off Canon, that Maroon 5 song that uses Canon. It's like, yeah. it's, it's both sides of the coin there. So exactly. it's a smart business move, but is it a smart artistic move when you're not trying to sell out? But at that point, I mean, yeah, <clears throat> Maroon 5 is so pop at that point yeah. and any things of selling out, I mean, they don't need to because, I mean. That ship has yeah, sailed. That ship has sailed long ago. That ship, that, you know, the, the horse has been ridden. The horse bolted 18 the horses, years ago. The horse has leaped. Yeah, the snail is slugged. He's gone, mate. The but, tortoise is whatever the tortoise is going to do. Yeah, pretty much. I don't know. I, I think if I was in Maroon 5, not only would I be sat in my mansion counting my money, uh, I wouldn't be unhappy about the decisions made. I, I'd maybe break away at some point and do something that I want to write rather than just make money. Um. But I don't know. That's a conversation for if James Valentine or Adam Levine ever want to come down and have a coffee with me. But yeah, so it's an in, it's been interesting to hear the uh, the evolution. We'll call it the change in their sound. Um, I wouldn't have exactly chosen to do the same, but as as you mentioned earlier, I thought it was an interesting thing you said earlier about how if they'd continued doing you know, songs about Jane, they'd now be on the like 20th re-release anniversary trying to bump it up because maybe not a lot of people would be caring about them anymore. Yeah. When in actual fact, they're one of the leading bands in pop music, I would say. Absolutely. I think that is uh, not a tall, not a tall order at all. I think that's quite factual based. Tall order at all. I like that. Yeah. So, a minute ago, I went, oh, my gosh. That well, is because I went on their Spotify page. Mm -hmm. They have nearly 45 million monthly listeners. And Memories, guess how many streams Memories got? I reckon a billion. You'd be correct. 1,291,642,346. Pretty penny on that one. Well... I want to include this segment. I want to include this. I did this the other day with you, Marv. Um, he did. I find it interesting. So, to our listeners and our viewers and our patrons, Spotify on average, 
average, take that word, on average, they pay an artist 0.0033 cents for every stream they get, which is incriminatingly low. In fact, I've think, been thinking recently I might stop my Spotify subscription because that's a joke and go with another <laughs> streaming service that pays slightly better. However, I don't think any of them pay slightly better. I think they're all equally terrible uh, at paying people. So me and Marv had this conversation, I do believe yesterday and the day before, where we were like, okay, so that many streams, they, you know, that's listed. How much money is that worth? So I've got my calculator up. I've got no. 0.0033. And I've got to times that by... A billion. One... I'm going to do it to the actual number. One, two, nine, one, six, four, two, three, four, six. Beep, 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 beep. And there you go. What's the answer is? It's about 400 million, roughly. That's a lot of money. Oh. That's a lot of money. Oh. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. Even even with all the greedy people sticking their hand in getting their slice. Yeah. You're still getting a pretty penny for that. That's that's a lot of money. And there you that's go. Silly. If I was getting that sort of wage, ask me if I changed my sound. Mez, would you change it? Probably <laughs> not. Probably not. I stay true. Would you? No, I'm staying true, mate. I stay true. Either Integrity above everything else. Artist. So yeah, Maroon 5, very interesting. Uh, Songs about Jane, absolute peak. Five, yeah, if you like pop music, defo, worth a listen. I'd say for fans. Yeah, and I would argue that yeah. if you look at their album before, Overexposed, which I call the Moves Like Jagger album. Yes. Um, and it's got like payphone on it. There's yes. definitely a leap. I think Hands All Over might have been their album before. There's definitely a leap. Like I said, you can hear the synths creeping in. You can hear the drum machines creeping in. Um, there's guests doing the hooks and things. It's definitely evident. First three records, you get to overexpose and it's just like, let's just turn the dial all the way to pop. And it's like so auto-tuned. Yeah. It's so plastic sounding. <clears throat> to me, that's the tipping point of where if you want to say they sold out, they sold out. They changed their sound more drastically rather than gradually. Yes. And I would say that Maroon 5 were, were down everybody's throats with Moves Like Jagger. And that was definitely a point of. Yeah. That Moves Like Jagger song st- prompted Nickelback to try and rip it off themselves as She Keeps Me Up. And it was yeah. like the song to rip off to put in your songs. Um, Essentially. But there was guitar in it. So is it still a rock song? It still has rock elements to it. Yes. And I would say now Maroon 5 are at the tipping point where they're starting to maybe become irrelevant because I would say that with music, how music has changed now and it's way more hip hop based and rap based and that they've got rap features like a lot of these popular bands do. They're also getting into their mid to late 40s and, yes. you know, age definitely does play a part, especially in a pop market. They're going to start to now, basically what you said earlier, they could, they could now they've, they've earned enough. They've got a reputation enough. 
They don't need to necessarily prove anything anymore. They could now hunker down and go, right, let's make an amazingly beautiful orchestral album where it's just orchestra and my voice and it's, it's bare bones like Weezer did with OK Human, where it was completely left field and everyone went, I didn't realize I wanted this until I heard it. Or they could go straight back to songs like Jane's stuff. That there is, they, they, they've proved that they've worked as a business to their record label in both areas. And I don't feel like they've ever, you know, had a slump or had a failure in that regard commercially. I think they've always been pretty high up there. You know what I'm saying? That's that's what I would say. But that's all I'm going to say. I was just going to take a nice big breath. For some reason, I did that. Does that look any good? I've got my hands by my chest. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna the jury's out on that one. I think. Uh, bit weird bit weird but it's weird but yeah no i i I think they're cool i'm i'm okay with them i'm fine with them existing um just be wary of those extremely cheesy you know bubblegum pop tunes but they're everywhere they're out there for your listening and for your listening only so marv marv Marv, marv i would never guess who you've picked this week who have you picked He'd never guess. Now, I've gone for the very most very controversial opinion that I think even I was struggling to make a good argument about. But I seen it on an article. I was like, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to go for it. Because my personal opinion is that I really struggled to find anybody who's actually sold out. I think it's such a hard term to pin down. And I just annoyed everybody by it, by asking them. And what do you think is a sellout band? What do you think is a sellout album? I just, I just don't necessarily even believe in the word anymore. I used to, I used to think only by the night by Kings of Leon was a sellout album, but no, not at all. Um, I have gone with please, please me by the Beatles because I'm making a statement that the Beatles sold out their Hamburg roots to be way more commercial and do pop music. Um, and they annoyed a lot of people. That is my, that is my statement. Now, burn me at the stake. If you want, Mez, your partner's going to hate me. There's a, there, that'd be a big mess. I can't be doing that. My Mac has already picked up. I've said that sentence and that's being fed into the state of Paul McCartney. He's already going, right. What is this podcast? <laughs> Shut it down. Shut it down. And Ringo's going, peace and love. Peace. Did anybody hear that? He said, Beatles sold out. Beatles sold out. Bloody hell, I'm from Yorkshire now and all. You know, that's how much he sold out. But before I get into this, I want to do a little spiel about the whole selling out thing. So here we go. Here we, here strap we go. Yourselves in, listeners. We're going to be here a while. Strap yourselves in. This is <coughs> 14 pages of beautiful writing. Um, so again, what does actually selling out mean in today's world? I think the simplest way I can put it, and I've got it here. I'm going to read it. Agreeing to do something that does not align with your values, beliefs, or morals. Would you agree that's the simplest term, my friend? For money, yes. For money. What about if it wasn't for, for money, but for fame or to hire your position up somewhere? Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. But yeah, again, mm. uh, I wouldn't take a job as a butcher now as a vegan, even if the pay was amazing. 
I was a vegetarian butcher, but my um, ethics for my dietary requirements weren't based in the feelings of animals. It was based on, oh, meat tastes horrible. See you later. Okay, um, okay. Let's play a little game. Let's little game. Let's go. How much money, what would the salary have to be for you to become a butcher now? Like I said, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't care if I was promised everything I ever wanted in life and more. I wouldn't do it. You still wouldn't become a butcher? Well, no, because if I'm promised, you know, like, okay, you can have flight, private jet, you can go anywhere you want, you can own this house, you can be with this person, you can buy as many guitars as you want and all that stuff. I've still then got to go to work. So how the hell am I fitting in my work as a butcher? Yeah, I want to go around. You've got to work as a butcher for a year. And yeah. then you get all those things. What? And then I stop being a butcher. Yeah. I still wouldn't do it. End world hunger. If I had to, if I could end world hunger by being a yeah. butcher for a year. Yeah. See, now this is. That's... End world hunger and end all cruelty to all life on earth. Because so it... as soon as you stop being a butcher, everything goes vegan. You're chopping up the last remnants of the of the meats of 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 consumable meat so again i can half dodge the question this is a good model for bands or artists that sell out and it's for a good reason and they make great music which is revered or bands and artists that try and get for the cash cow uh and then they fail and it's not very good at all which you could argue maroon five took the cash cow of pop and they now yes. make very bland pop music. Um, but that's my opinion. Yes. So if I'm going to be ending world hunger. Yep. Again, that's hard because if I don't take it, the world stays the same. Yes. Also, I don't know as, as positive as ending world hunger is, there would still be things like poverty. There'll be still be things like kids being born with terminal diseases there would still be what I call like tragedy or negativity in the world. So fixing one of those things would be good, but then I don't know again. So let's, you know, world hunger. So let's say you have starving children, but then you have kids that are born with terminal diseases. It's almost then like what then is the higher up in the hierarchy of it. So I think even by that thing, I'd go, no, I wouldn't want to do it because I, because that's so overwhelming. I'd have to go with my ethics of I couldn't take that job. If I'm not going to put it in my mouth, I'm not going to serve it up other people. Okay. No, so everyone starve, right? I just enjoy these little hypotheticals. Yeah, but it's good though. It's don't good. shoot the messenger. I, I, I've just been told like everyone who's mean will stop being mean. And everyone's, I've, I've got a big 7 billion uh, list long of people who have said they'll stop eating meat. Um, so yeah, it's fine. Don't shoot the messenger. It's just, it's just you know, world what hunger on the line. World hunger and uh, all what if I do want to shoot you? All we are saying, Marv, is give peace a chance. Hey, but, that's uh, a good girl quote. That I like that. That's, that should be a song. Make that into a song, right? You'll make, yeah. you'll make as much money. Then you can use your money to end world hunger. Wow, world hunger starts hey. home, kid. What about Maroon 5 making 400 million off of one song, right? Give that to people. That's true. Yeah, they should. They should. 
in a way. Same. Why have I got to be a butcher for a year? Anyway, oh. anyway, anyway. Selling Let's get back out. To I've it. started this tangent and it's getting out of control. <laughs> so, yes, I would not take that job because I feel like I'd have to be true to myself. And even though the financial game might be good, don't want to do so, it. So, sorry to interject again. All good. So, you won't take that job. So, no. does that mean, uh, what would your morals be when it comes to releasing subpar music for lots of money? Where are your morals lie there? Are you going to be like, no, I'm not doing that? Because technically, if you look at the dictionary definition, we've sold out. Because so, we play... We play pop music at weddings for a good wage. So again, I am also in a original metal band, and you release your own albums, you know, keeping yourself happy. But I, I, the the term selling out, the definition isn't well. As long as you're still doing artistic things, creative <laughs> other things, doesn't count. What I'm saying is, when you sell out, you sell out. But I, I, and this is what selling out to me. It's like. Uh, it's a it's a definition thing. It's like defining your own success, define your own selling out. <coughs> and um, quite honestly, even people I meet at metal gigs, oh, what do you do then? Oh, I'm in a function band. What else do you do? No, that's my job. Oh, sweet. So you just play guitar all week? I'm like, yeah, pretty much. Um, and it's seen as cool. So, where would your mo- back to my original question? Where cool. would your morals lie? If you were to, if, if I I had suddenly become employed at A and M or Virgin Interscope, Interscope, any of those, and I came to you and I went, Marv, your songs are great. They want you, so you do an album, put it out. Yeah, it's all right. It's doing okay. In fact, oh, one of the songs always going up and up and up, and then all of a sudden I turn around. I'm your manager, and I say, Marv, love the success, but we want more pop, and that thirty seconds. Of the of this pop, we want more of that. So you're gonna do it, and you go. I go. Listen here, she boy. So the interesting thing there is then, it's like, how can I be selling out if, if in this scenario you've taken thirty seconds of my own music, which I guess I'm holding to me dearly in terms of artistic integrity. And then all I'm doing is writing more in the style of music I've already released. True. That makes sense. There's one angle yeah. there. Um, okay. Okay. I'll, re- I'll, I'll rebrand that question. It. It's going to redefine it. And send it back to you. You've just released this album. It's doing really well. Loads of people are starting to know who you are. You're playing it live. It's a really good response. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm waiting in the wings. I've got Interscope on the phone. They're going, you're right. And I've gone, yeah, no, not so bad, mate. What's, what's on the dodge? And they've gone, there's Tor going. I've gone, yeah, yeah, he's he's playing that. Oh, you're little... tour manager as well now. Yeah, tour manager nice. as well. Um, He's playing that little keyboard out to his heart extent. Thank and they've you. gone, why are you talking to us? Because you play guitar for him. And I've gone, oh, I've just, so I'm, I'm tour oh, manager. I kicked him off. I'm tour manager, your manager, and yep. I'm the guitar player. guitar player. I've ran off stage for, for a quick new key bro nail. Nice, nice. And I'm on the phone to Interscope, and they've gone, "Have you heard this new song by Justin Bieber?" And I've gone, "No, what's it called?" And they've gone, "Peaches, go and listen to it." I've listened to it, and gone, "This is pumping. I love this tune." Yeah, and they've gone, "You need to tell Martin that he needs to make music like that. That's what he's got to do, or any other pop song, or 
Sugar by Maroon 5. They've gone, you heard Sugar? Yeah. Martin's got to make music like that now. That's what he's got to make. And I tell you that, your response is... I go, I don't make dark, introspective pop music like sounds like sounds blah, 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 that sounds oh. like songs like Jane. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Songs about um, Jane, mate. Wow. I just tripped over myself, so who cares? Like it, like it. Yes, interesting. So, again, when you're in a place that I'm hypothetically in, where I'm signed to a major label, and I've agreed that my art is going to be sold as product and that, you know, some bands, if you look at nineties bands, they were set, they were signing contracts that were about 14 years long. So Billy Corgan signed his Smashing Pumpkins guy from 23 until 37. He was in a contract that he either had to fulfill or he'd be dropped. Bearing in mind bands around that point had about what, four or five year kind of uh, lifespan. Um, so I already know in my head and like, again, this is why we can apply it to Maroon 5 and all these other bands that apparently have sold out that I'm being given money to make stuff that my, on my end, I have to be a successful business to be able to give that to the label to go, Hey, this is going to be successful. Give me some money. Yep. Record it, do whatever. Okay. They put it out. It's successful. It's making them money. So you're obviously going to want to continue that relationship. Now, the problem there is it's the influence. Now, if I hated Sugar and I hated Justin Bieber, was like, that to me is like working at a butcher's. I'm not doing that. I'm not touching that. I don't like the morals or beliefs of both of those people, or I don't like what the song says, or I don't, those chords or whatever. I never play synths. I never do these. And then suddenly I was like, nah, I'm going to do that because I could see that they made money. I would say that's me selling out. But I would say maybe if I was in that situation, I'd go, you know what? Let's see if I can, that's almost like a challenge. Let's see if I can make music like that, but still retain something of me. That would be my answer. Okay. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Um, And I'm glad you brought back the butcher thing, because that's where I wanted it to go. Back in, yeah. Back in all part of. Oh, so yeah, carry on, Marv. I want to hear your points. I want to hear who, why you picked, who you picked, and I want to hear more of your rants. And I'm going to switch my light on. Nice, you're going to switch his light on. That's a song as well. You should switch the light on. That's a yeah, that'd be fine. There you go. So I was going to talk about the function band stuff. So if you're not aware already, Merritt and myself, um, since 2017, we're in a function band called Switch, and we're managed we? by. A, yeah, we are actually got a gig. Oh, is that what we've been doing every weekend? Yeah, you've been too um, you've been too drunk, man. That's why. Yeah, I've been drinking a lot. Uh, I've only dee, just dee, started dee. to clear. Exactly, foggy haze. Um, so we're managed by a live network, and I remember, and you know, we go around the country and we go abroad and we play songs by other artists as diverse as you know, Bruno Mars and the hits of the day and Bieber and Dua Lipa. You might do stuff like Oasis, or we might do stuff like Bill Withers or David Bowie. It spans quite a lot of people. Queen, you know, that band that, I don't know if it, I don't, if you heard Queen, mate, do you know? Queen? Oh, one or two tunes, they're all right. Couple I think tunes. they're going to do well. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, so, yeah, that's what we do. And you could equate that, oh, we've sold out because what we're doing is, 
instead of writing our own music and making money, we're making money off the backs of other people's songs. So most of the work is gone there. All you've got to do is sit down, figure it out. And there you go. We're making money. We're making more money than, uh, I would say most of our friends who just do original music where they've had to get full-time jobs. Um, but again, it's intent, isn't it? My goal, one of my big main goals was, and I'm talking maybe when I started playing guitar, so I'd say 17, 18, um, was I'd love to play my instrument for a living. That was my main goal. So if you're looking at that compared to what I do now, which is playing my instrument and making a living, that's connected to my belief system there, my morals and values regardless of what I'm playing and in what context doesn't matter to me. I haven't sold out in that regard. Um, and it also enables me to put the money into doing original stuff or I have the freedom. Like I said, or like, you know, Monday to Friday, we don't have to even lift a single thing. We've, we've earned our money for the week. Um, it allows us that freedom. I can go off. I can go skateboard. I can go travel up the country, do whatever I want to do. That's brilliant. Now, first audition, we got, went there and played and they went, right, try some newer songs, dress a bit more like a band, think a bit more modern. And we went, okay, we'll go do that. So we went off, we dressed a bit more modern. We played some newer songs. I got a new keyboard, lovely stuff that wasn't from Argos, which definitely helped go back. And they're like, brilliant. That's amazing. You're signed up. So could you equate that to selling out? Because we were technically, you know, we are, we have our own sound, even if we're playing other people's music, us five as a collective are going to have an individual sound because we're just playing sounds. I'm going to say sound five more times, sound, 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 sound. Um, but someone else has gone, change this, change that. And we've just gone, yeah, okay. Because of the promise of money, because of the promise of it working. So in that regard, we'd sold out but my my core value was i want to make money from my guitar or from my piano i want to make a living from it i feel like yours was the same and now we're doing that and like you just said your mates go you just do this you just play guitar we can go yep we go that sounds great i agree with you mez what you say what i was just going to say on top of that you could argue selling out. Yeah, yeah, because we've done as we told for money. However, Alive doesn't represent any sort of hate-filled thing that none of us agree with. It's just an agency. Yep. You, you know, that's all that that's that's their thing. I mean, if um if they were representing something unpleasant or an individual who owned them I didn't like or agree with, I I wouldn't say that i wouldn't do that because you know it's a pretty sweet life to be honest but it's i don't know you'd have to question yourself a bit more wouldn't you at that point but that's not the case it's just not the case so yeah i'm fine with it i'm fine with getting in the van and having a laugh and smoking what i want and having a beer not this month though um playing guitar and flexing my chops and in a setting where we've all got the dunes down there's just no concerns there you go. And I'm, I wouldn't be the musician I am today if it wasn't for gigging for five years straight with all of these so, songs. We're definitely yeah. much more technically uh, adept than we were maybe at uni. 
and a quote that I've written down myself, I'm quoting myself here, to say that I've somehow settled and given up on a career in music to go play cover songs because the money's more important than artistic integrity is far from the truth. And he agrees with that. So now I'm going to get onto my point of, I think the Beatles sold out with Please Please Me. Released 22nd of March, 1963. Let's go. Let's try and get this point across. Here we go. Right. If you're not aware of the Beatles, then I don't know why you're even listening to music at all or listening to my voice and just existing, really. So I would jump in the nearest river, regenerate, come back up like Sonic. You know, when Sonic gets in the river and all the bubbles, then he yeah, pops his clogs, then come back up, start your life again, right? Scratch everything. Go listen to the Beatles. Easy. 20 million plays on Spotify. Less than half of Maroon 5, right? Figure that one out. So, yes, they obviously, in their eight years, have created some of the best music of the 21st century. No, 20th century. Um, Best music of all time. They're my favorite band of all time. They even invented heavy metal, Mez, with Helter Skelter, apparently. Debatable, but worthwhile in the conversation. Um, they were copied by their contemporaries through and through each evolution they went through. They got copied and copied and copied. But if you look at their time in Hamburg, you get a totally different version of the world's most famous band. When listen to please, please me. Um, when you listen to please, please me, it makes them sound sanitized and commercially viable to a wider audience. Now is that selling out merit, making yourself commercially viable to a wider audience? What do you think? Well, they haven't dropped their uh, morals and values, although looking at some of the things they did, I don't know about their morals and values and stuff. But anyway, no, I mean, oh, it's hard to say. It's hard to say. It's, like I said, I think it's like success. You define it yourself. I don't. I wouldn't say they sold out, uh, which is why I'm very much looking forward to what you've got to say. Because nice. I, I, I want to know how you're going to equate please, please me to selling out. I really want to hear it. And I mean, I, 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 I've I got a gist of where you're going to come from, but this is going to be interesting. So oh, I can't getting, wait. I'm just getting myself comfy. Get I've comfy. Had, make sure you make sure you got stuff in your zip pockets. All right. I've had, I've had me coffee. He's had his coffee. Right. I'm uh, going to jump in, Mez. I'm jumping yeah, in. Poor kid. Go on. So. The transition they went through outdated the punk scene of the late 80s and early 90s by a good three decades with a fair few similarities. And that's what I really want to focus on in terms of the connection there that makes much more sense. Um, So let's have a look. Again, there's no, no surprise that all of the Beatles, so Paul McCartney, John Lennon, George Harrison and Ringo Starr, they all love rock and roll. They were young kids during the 50s when rock and roll was at its peak. And any movie they could go see, if it was rock and roll, they would love it. So the girl can't help it, rock around the clock. Um, They were there. Even the Elvis films of the 50s. So, you know, they were obsessed. John Lennon was in line to see an Elvis film. And he was like, second he seen them on the screen, he's like, that's a cool job. So they loved rock and roll. They grew up on rock and roll. They learned all these songs. Obviously, John Lennon forming his own band. They all picked up instruments. And then Paul McCartney seeing him at a village fete and he's doing Bebop Balula. Paul McCartney gets in by doing a rock and roll song. George Harrison gets in by playing a rock and roll song on the top of a, de- du- the top of a double-decker bus. Um, they all get in, right? So, you know, 
rock and roll is is the Beatles at this point. That's all I'm going to say. Um, their first recording ever was a Buddy Holly tune called That'll Be The Day, Rock and Roll. And they had an original as well, in spite of all the danger. It's quite cool. Based off of blues, of course. So we're going to skip forward now. So the Beatles in their first iteration. John Lennon, Paul McCartney, George Harrison, Stuart Sutcliffe is on bass guitar. That's what their art musician friend or their art painter friend who just, they just bullied into getting a bass. And Tommy Moore on drums. Never heard of the guy, but he was there originally. They passed an audition to become a backing band for one of the four solo singers um, that were being offered for this. It's like a short tour of Scotland. And instead of getting someone like Billy Fury, that sounded really menacing, they got Johnny Gentle. So a bit bummed out there. Hello, I'm Johnny Gentle. And it was all rock and roll covers. So they do a short, you know, tour of Scotland. They name themselves Long John and the Silver Beatles. Or they just go Silver Beatles. So they've already got that name in tow. They come back miserable. They come back cold. They come back penniless. They're like, oh, touring life. This is just being, we're just being scammed left, right and center here. We're just being used. Um, they all changed their names as well for this. So Paul Ramon, Carl Harrison, Long John and Stuart Distal. So again, this whole thing of maybe even the ethos, the little, not ethos, the little inklings, the birthing of this selling out uh, thing. They're changing their name. Ringo Starr did it. His original name is Richard Starkey. Rock stars do this. They change their name. Or even pop stars do it. They change their name to be more commercially viable. But I feel like this is nitpicking here. They're just doing it because they were like, it'll be funny to do. Those bloody Beatles. Well, Corn Paul, that's what you do in it. That is the quote I've put. That's what you do in it. So, yes, they come back broke from Scotland. They're like, screw this. But it was happening to a lot of local bands in Liverpool. They go do these auditions. Um, they go quit their jobs, go to London, be promised all this work, wouldn't play a single note. So um, they managed to get a residency in Hamburg. So what happened was this other local band were like, we're going to go down and beat up this guy, this agent promoter who gave us no money. They go down there, managed to get him a gig. And then their name came up. They got put forth for this audition for Hamburg. So they auditioned for Hamburg. Now they go off to Germany. Um, I believe Pete Best is in the band now. So Pete Best is the drummer before Ringo. Um, they still got Stuart Sutcliffe in there. Paul's on electric guitar and sometimes piano. <clears throat> that was like a cough that I was trying to make into a real cough. Yeah. Good, wasn't it? But it didn't happen. Straps all time. So anyway. Hamburg's really where they kind of cut their mustard and cut their teeth in terms of being the band that we know now. Tight, knew such a big repertoire of songs um, and them at their punk-like best, their raw, ferocious, energetic best. Um, it's very weird to listen to um, them at the Star Club, which I'll link down below and think this is the same band that did Tomorrow Never Knows and She Loves You and Can't Buy Me Love and all these things. Pretty weird. So let's have a look. Um, so yes, Hamburg. There were strippers, women of the night, drugs, booze, nightclubs that played rock and roll to the wee hours. Like it's a haven for rock stars and kids and kids in bands through and through. Accommodation, awful. It'd be like two sofas, maybe even a bed. And you'd have like a Union Jack flag to, to keep you warm. Really, really bad kind of kind of settings and stuff. Oh, Mez has got a book. It's all right. This is my Elton John autobiography. 
And as you're talking about this, I'd like to inject a little quote. Go on then. Um, I'm just finding it. Just give me a hot minute. Well, I'll give you this one, Mez. So oh, Ringo at this point, he's not in the band yet, but he's doing the same thing. He's with Rory Storm and the Hurricanes. And his look, it's very much of the day. He's got a beard and his yeah. haircut is the DA. Do you know what DA stands for, Mez? Go on. Duck's ass. Uh-huh. Ringo funny. has the hairstyle called the duck's ass. Now, Merit, if you were to invent a hairstyle, what would it look like and what would you call it? What's it called? The Mez Special. So the Mez Special includes a short, a short ginger bont. Yep. But you got to wear your hat for how long? All, all day. More. All day. All day. All day. Wear your hat all day. Take it off. Done. Yes. Nice. I have got the quote. Let's hear the quote. This is my Elton John me autobiography. Very, very good. I've just started reading it again. In his uh, youth, he was in a band called Bluesology. And in March 1966, Bluesology went to Hamburg, carrying our instruments on the ferry, then on a train to play at the top 10 club on Reeperbaum. Because it was one of the places the Beatles had played before they were famous. They were living in the club's attic when they made their first single with Tony Sheridan. The setup hadn't changed in the intervening five years. The accommodation for bands was still in the attic. There were still brothels with prostitutes sitting in the windows just down the street. And at the club, you were still expected to play five hours a night, alternating with another band. An hour on, an hour off, while the clientele drifted in and out. It was easy to imagine the Beatles living the same life, not least because it looked suspiciously like the bed sheets in the attic hadn't been changed since John and Paul slept in them. Oh. So there's your little quote. And I believe that. I believe that. I do as well. Oh, just, I mean, again, our only experience of that is when we do a ski season tour and the accommodation again you want it to be cheap you're only there to put your head down for about yep. six to eight hours and then you're out yep. the door you go off gigging again so very basic and we had a room where it was four of us uh all had our own little beds but it was literally that toilet was so small yep. that like your knees were hitting the uh the other oh, side yeah. of the wall um and then the other side because there was another house again very basic no doors the only door was to the toilet yeah, um, but it's all part of the fun. I was going really, to say it's um, it's really nice to have that because if you ever need to work out if you like someone, go on tour with them because you will know by the end of that tour. And to be honest with you, our, our experience wasn't nearly as bad as Elton John's in Bluesology. Like the sheets <laughs> had been changed, the place was clean. You know, it was it was a relatively okay. It was okay to stay at. You know, it's not unpleasant. But um, but yes, that is the experience of touring. Everybody sees touring. There's a quote by Francis Rossi where he, uh, lead guitarist and singer of Status Quo, and he's saying about how everyone's obsessed with this big front of show business. He's like, well, yeah, it's gonna look really nice here, isn't it? This is the bit you're seeing. You're not seeing behind. And it is that thing of how touring isn't about music. It isn't about, oh, we're famous, rich, and look at this. Touring is about longevity. Touring is hard work. And people don't realize that. Uh, having said that, 
you'll have some of the funniest times, some of the best times going. And it's just, it, there, there's no other feeling on this planet like it. It's incredible. It's amazing. And being somewhere you don't know and doing that, you become much tighter as a band, not just musically, but as a, as a unit. Because if you haven't killed each other by then, the amount of time you spend with one another, and obviously the only thing relative to you at that point are the individuals that you're with. Yeah. So you just, the in-jokes, you it's it's almost like looking back on it, I remember coming back from tour at about two weeks, three weeks down the line, I was I would open my bedroom door, see my bed and be like, oh, yes. <laughs> because you've kind of, you've fallen down that then. And after a couple of months, I kind of got a bit sad and a little bit depressed because it was like, well, I, I could have stayed, you know? Yeah. It's that weird thing where um, you do have rose-tinted glasses, but at the same time, you're fully aware because it wasn't a holiday. You were working. There, the times weren't, you know, people getting ill and like, oh, oh, it's a Wednesday. For some reason, the only shop for six miles is shut five minutes early. <laughs> and because it's tiny and 300 people live off this shop, there's no cheese left. Oh, I'll have to have another cup of soup i suppose with a bit of bread you know it's stuff like that but it it really makes all the difference or the fact that nowhere in france i could get tobacco i had to smoke straights Um, yeah because the only place you could buy tobacco was at a tobacconist you couldn't get it in the supermarket well we played we played that one venue that had uh, had a pharmacy in it so you managed to stock up very strange i i bought like four pouches and the guy was like how much do you need? And I was like, well, I don't know when I'm going to see You're like, another. so much, baby. <laughs> and then and then you add, it's just a strange thing, isn't it? You just, you learn so much about yourselves and the surrounding areas. And that's kind of the thing, because I did a lot of research before we went. And the first time, before we went the first time, to try and get a sort of grasp as to what, what these countries are like. But yeah. None of it translated. You have to be there. You got to experience it. And yeah, it's, you, it, you either love it or you hate it. You know, I can understand why people yeah. hate touring. Oh, I, I, I really it. can as well to get to that point, especially if you either don't like your band members or you're sick of the tunes you're playing or your management's hanging, or you, you're not getting paid enough, you know, stuff like that, which is why I look at um, bands like the Beatles when they went to Hamburg and loads of other bands had the same thing happen to them. They go over, they play, they come home, and the venues are just be like, we're not paying you, what are you going to do? <laughs> and it's like, imagine that. Imagine all that hard work, sleeping in an attic, just staying up five hours at a time, and one hour on, one hour off, and just working really hard for then a venue manager to go, ah, not paying you, see you later. So again, this all, what you're saying there, it all works in. I want to make paint this picture of, you know, yeah, slogging it out, working really, really hard, poor living conditions while on tour, really trying to pay your dues. That's what's really, what's really, really about and finding their identity as a band. And they really did here in Hamburg. Now, Ringo side note, he, uh, with Rory Storm Hurricanes, they got kicked off stage at the cabin, which is a rock and roll club because the lead singer plugged his guitar into a radio and it was too rock and roll. So they got kicked off of a rock and roll club because they were too rock and roll. So interesting eh? but anyways so yeah the beatles working you know six seven hours a night surviving these mammoth sets by taking prelude in which is essentially speed which is given to by the waiters um 
Ringo had his own residency with the Hurricanes, but he'd come over and ask, like, he'd come over drunkenly to where the Beatles were playing and be like, play this B-side, play this bluesy number, plays that. And they would. They're really, really good at picking up songs and doing that. Um, they got deported because George Harrison was too young. He was 17 at the time and they had no work visas. So in an act of protest, um, and this gets extrapolated a lot, there's different theories about exactly how many times they did it, but they nailed a condom to a wall and lit it on fire. Bearing in mind, the walls were all stone. So there's nothing about catching fire. But because they were going to be uh, working at a competitor's club instead of where they were then, um, yeah, the owner was not happy. So they all went back home. I would say what a very punk thing to do, Mez, wouldn't you think? Absolutely. A very punk thing to do. And again, this predates punk by either uh, 10 years or 20 years, depending on if you think the Stooges started punk or if you think the Ramones or um, Sex Pistols invented punk. Up to you. So, yes, they were loud on stage. They swore. They wore leather jackets. Uh, John Lennon would come out sometimes with just his underpants and a toilet seat around his head. Um, they just didn't care. They just went on. They played sweaty rock and roll. It was great. It was fast paced um, and really energetic. It's really, really cool to listen to and you really get pumped up. Definitely. Which I would say would please, please me. You don't really get that kind of raw attitude to them. Do you? It's very smooth. No, Wouldn't you agree? Mez? So this is where I'm going to start to interject this kind of selling out mentality. How did the Beatles from Hamburg change into the sweet pop darlings of please please me i will continue on so anyway john lennon says this is one of two quotes our best work was never recorded and he's referring to the hamburg days that's john lennon who has undoubtedly written some of the best music of all time saying the gigs that he plays a teenager are better than imagine strawberry fields forever i am the walrus that's him saying it all right how can he hate the Beatles? He was one. So that's exactly, exactly. In fact, if you just said that quote and gone, Mez, who said this? I'd be like, Lennon. Because he was he was a controversial individual, wasn't he? He was. You know, he, he, in everything he did, in, in the people he was with, in the music he produced, lyrics he wrote, he was controversial. Um, so you'd absolutely expect Lennon to say that. Do you have any accounts as to what McCartney said, or am I jumbling up your order here? Well, in regards to that quote, the Hamburg days, I think he enjoyed the Hamburg days. I think maybe the general consensus was that um, they were a different band. Yeah. Into what they originally, well, not originally, and into what they became. Um, but he just viewed it as a good thing of like, you know, we became a really tight unit at that point. And all of the rock and roll standards they had learned did seep into the Beatles kind of catalog and did inform them of their own original songs they wrote. But he was generally fond of it. He was fond of it, as was yeah. George. No, I just I just wondered because I was just, you know, out of everyone, that's the sort of, oh, yes, the best music I ever did was stuff I never bloody recorded. You know, it's that sort of thing, isn't it? It's very, uh, very Lennon. That's a very, very John Lennon statement. It's a very, very John Lennon statement. So anyways... Uh, I'm going to talk about when well, I can find it. There we go. No. Yeah. So let's just do a little quick um, comparison to like this 80s, 90s punk um, kind of <clears throat> community and connect it to the Beatles. So 
There's a very loyal fan base in the underground punk and hardcore scene. The people that played on stage were no better or bigger than the people on the audience. You're all in it together. Um, and the bands knew that they were nothing without the audience. <clears throat> Got nothing to do with chart success, selling out venues, any of that stuff. Fame doesn't really matter. Um, in fact, they're kind of like things to run away from. You kept it in, you know, you kept your integrity. All that mattered was the music and the community, you know, until you're living gig to gig, cold, penniless, and with no fixed address. And, you know, uh, until you're sleeping on your mate's sofa, which is your bed from about 11 p.m. to about 8 a.m. until you got to get up and do this job, this kind of odds and ends job just to kind of have some food. But but you're known around town and you put on a hell of a show, but you make zero money from it because you've got to keep it real. Got to keep it real, right? So again, as much as what does the term selling out mean, what does the term keeping it real mean? And Mez, what to you is staying true to yourself or keeping it real? How would you define that? Just being yourself, really. Um, Just being yourself. But you can pick up influences, right? Of course you can. Exactly. And in fact, as human beings, we are our experiences. We are the people around us because we replicate because that's what we've been taught to do. That's how we've learned since being children. You know, how, how do you, how, how do you learn anything? Well, you're taught it and then you're told to keep reading it and then you're tested on it to see if you remembered it. I've always said this and people have either sort of looked at me like I've just broken wind or I've got three heads <laughs> and I don't think another tangent, probably for the patrons, but for everyone, at, at school, I don't think we're taught anything in particular. We're not taught how to be good at science. We're just taught how to remember things, which is what we regurgitate. If I'd have gotten an A star in science and then gone to A level and done science, and gotten an A star in that, and then gone to uni and done science, I'd become a scientist. But that's based on the memory. But you need the memory to be able to do the things that scientists can. It's very odd. Very odd. Where was I going with this? Yes. Yeah, so. That was a tangent, and we're going to move on from that now. Nice. Um, yes, so uh, staying true to yourself. I mean, I found it difficult. Not difficult. I found it interesting in the early days of the Function Band due to, obviously, you know, I my world was metal and hard rock and prog and stuff, and all of a sudden I'm playing This Love by Maroon 5. <laughs> um but you know, is is I think you need to let it go because if you're going to do that, you know, I I remember I used to watch a what was it I used to I used to watch a show called Skins. Have you ever seen it? It's based it's, on yeah, teenagers. Watch Skins, yeah. yeah, I I watched it when it came out back in the day, like, and there's the 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 final series or the second to final set or whatever. There's this metalhead called Rich. Yeah, and he's a bit of a gatekeeper. Do you know what I mean by that? Yeah, I do. I do. Yeah. So for those of you who don't, um, I think every genre has them, but in the metal community, they tend to be more unpleasant and smell more. Um, they're closely related with elitism, in terms of. Uh, okay, we'll give it. We'll give a classic example of gatekeeping. Marv, I'm wearing a Slayer T-shirt, and you go, "Do you like Slayer? Do you?" And I go, "Oh, yeah, they're all right." And you go name five of their albums that's gatekeeping um because you name being, their five most popular uh you're, you're you're being a dickhead for the sake of being a dickhead to try and push on people 
that you have this good taste in music, Indeed. which is subjective, by the way. Um, anyway, Skins, Rich. This guy's a bit of a gatekeeper. Oh, real metal and all this. In fact, the opening, they all, all these teenagers have dedicated episodes. And his opens with him in a party with his headphones in, listening to Caius. Uh, it's nice. the first time I'd ever heard Caius. I was like, this is cool. I love this. Um, and his mate pulls his headphones out and they have this conversation. They're trying to get with these girls. And they're, they're like, oh, what were you listening to? And he was like, oh, you won't like it. That's another gatekeeping quality. Yeah. Oh, you won't like my music? Nah, 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 nah. In, in some form of superior superiority, oh, my music's too good for you to appreciate. I hate that. Anyway, and they're like, oh, no, we like everything. And he's like, really? And his mate's like, no. <laughs> and he takes his iPod out, puts it on the port, and plays uh, Angel of Death by Slayer. Um, and they obviously get kicked out. Anyway, there's a bit later on in his episode where he's just like, oh, if I go out with this particular girl who's who does ballet and likes certain music, next thing you know, I'll be body popping to Lil Wayne down Oceana. And I remember hearing that and laughing. So I was just like, if that's the biggest thing in your life, Christ. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> um, yeah. That to me, if, if you want to be like that, that's fine. But if you're not going to be open with anything in your life you're going to miss out on experiences and enjoying yourself you know and that i kind of resonated with rich up to a point because yes i am also into metal and i was into metal and you know i suddenly started wearing skinny jeans i slowly started wearing ugly shirts like wearing hats cutting my hair you know having a shorter beard than overgrown and disgusting and it's kind of strange to make that transition, to let these things bleed into your life. I think a lot of the time you should just add, do it, just be influenced by other things and ask questions later, because I guarantee you in years to come, I'll be chatting to someone, oh, here's me at 24. I know those skinnies are terrible, but right now I'm chilling in them, you know? So it's, <coughs> I don't think anyone's ever going to look back and go, oh no, why did I ever listen to and enjoy five by Maroon five? Yeah. What am I, what am I going to do? No one cares. Um, and that's a big thing to remember, but yeah, staying true to yourself. I think as long as you're comfortable with what's going on, it doesn't really matter. You know, um, actual quote from me at college, the Beatles are overrated. Hang in. That's almost as worse as saying the Beatles are sellouts. I mean, we're getting there, but yeah. So that's, if, if you got any sort of answer out of that entire I, convoluted. I did. I did. And I, can, I can follow on because I had it in my previous notes. That I, that I skipped a little bit. So taking take influence is completely fine. You need to, you know, as a 10 year old, everything that you think about, the food you eat, the people you hate, the music you listen to, friends you hang around with, you know, they ultimately change as you get older. It doesn't have to be at 10 years old. It can be at any age of life all ages come one come all um so you need to dip your toe in and listen to different things or try different things so everything that you kind of know now at one point you didn't know of i didn't know what a skateboard was i didn't know how to ride one but now it's like it's second nature to me you didn't know what the office was or who notorious big was even five years ago 
now it's so ingrained into your musical and what you listen and quote and what we quote that it would be weird if you then suddenly stopped it but it's not like you're going it's not like you're selling out because you're turning back on shaggy and status quo you know what i mean from your childhood just because you listen to a Miley Cyrus record so doesn't mean that you turn your back on the metal community and now you're strictly into pop because of one time you listened to it or when you were eating vegan food here. It's like, it's a weird thing about, no, you can't try anything. The second you found something that you like, you stick with it. Don't even try to experiment. But that's just such a limited lifestyle. And again, like you said, with that gatekeeper thing, and this lends into the against argument I'm trying to make of, you know, the Beatles could play a lot of different songs. They had to, you know, when someone would come in hungover about half three in the afternoon, they're not going to jump up and suddenly play these loud rock and roll songs. So they learned standards. They learned a taste of honey, which is like from a musical, um, which is on Please Please Me. They learned these Motowny songs from girl groups to practice their harmonies because it kept good business. It meant people sat down, they ordered another beer. And then when it got busy, if they were good, they get sent a crate of beer. If they're really good, they get sent a crate of champagne, you know, good business strategies. So yeah, you, we've connected it in, connected it in. And like any job or career, you want to be good at it. You want to build up and be successful from it. So if I'm stood around, I'm looking at this new house that I've just bought. Let's say I've done that because I managed to get a mortgage um, from all this function work that I do. Let's say this year or, or 2022, or even 2023 goes ridiculous. And everyone wants to book us for like almost every single day. It's something insane. But I'm looking around this new house I've built. I'd feel so proud and happy. I'd be like, I played my instrument for this. And I don't think anyone's going to go sell out. Absolute sell out. I, it, I wouldn't care because it, I haven't strayed from my morals. Exactly. That's exactly the point, isn't it? If someone does go, oh, you sell out, what are you going to do? Go, oh, no. Ah, oh, jeez. In fact, I think we've spoken about this before. It's like, um, it's like when people get offended. Right. Now, in today's, and nobody wants to offend anyone. I certainly don't. But in today's culture, a lot of the time, people are terrified to be offended, uh, especially by things like comedians' jokes. Uh, something Ricky Gervais said was, um, I think you should stand by what you say, and I think you should have a reason for everything you say rather than just, Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Cause then that yeah. makes you look, that makes you look floppy. Yeah. And it undermines your original exactly. statement. Yeah. And I mean, people don't realize like, you know, it can be equated to, um, I got to try and think about this now. Okay. So think American boy, American boy by Estelle featuring Kanye West. We play that tune quite a lot. Um, quite a lot now i me and you both do backing vocals on it um i do the high ones uh one of the lines is um was it first we'll see the west end i'll show you to my brethren does that mean i'm now estelle <laughs> does that mean i'm kanye west does it no and oh yeah the whole thing yeah, the whole thing with it, it just it just doesn't resonate with me. Oh, you sold out. Okay. So that's what I was saying. Sorry. Go on, so, he's back on track. Come on, boy. Go. So yeah, yeah. Comedians, like it's like 
any sort of joke that any comedian could make. It doesn't mean they're laughing at anything in particular. They're doing their job. They're doing their job. Ricky Gervais says these things because he knows that I'll enjoy it. Go on YouTube, type it in and watch it. Or with his TV series Afterlife, he knows that I'll enjoy it. I'll find it funny. I'll go on Netflix. I'll pay my subscription so I can watch it. So, same deal. I play American Boy at weddings and I sing the backing vocals because I know it will sound better and more attractive to the client. Plus the fact they'll go, oh my God, he's he's singing the backing vocals. That sounds really, really close to the track, actually. You know what I mean? I don't do it because... I'm going to the West End to show you to my brethren. I do it because actually I kind of enjoy singing harmonies. It's kind of cool. Um, so yeah, that back to what I was originally, 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 originally saying. Um, it's, it is very much like being the hot, like everyone's terrified about being offended. Nothing happens when you're offended. You're just offended. Yep. And that's where, when something offends me, I go, okay, fair enough. I'm not going to comment on that because, you know, they didn't, they didn't put that there to offend me. So therefore I'm just going to go fair enough. Okay. I'm not going to look at that. I'll stay away from that because I'm offended by that, but that's okay. It's an emotion. When someone says, Oh, they've sold out. Do you like this conversation right now? Do you think Adam Levine is sad? in his massive house going, oh, some ginger bloke in Bristol set of sold out. I think, I think, I think he has that for a split second, but then he realizes that the mojito that he's drinking is so nice. Yeah. He's just like, ah, I'm chilling. More more ice for the ice bucket, please. He looks at his four platinum records for songs about Jane and goes, "Uh," you know, done that next. But that's, yeah. So, this is kind of the weird thing, isn't it? it? Like, it's very opinion based, and that's the problem we run into every single time. It's always opinion based, all the time. Um, but yeah, so I, I, I don't think it matters. I don't think anyone should care. I think um, if, so for example, I'm in my metal band, and a couple of years pass, and Britney Spears goes back on tour, and she sees me playing, and goes, "I want him." Um. Yeah, I'm. I'm joining Brittany. <laughs> yes. Yes, it's happening. But if what about? Said, but what about Alusa saying you sold out? What about all that metal community saying? Oh, you sold out. Why have you done that for? For the money, uh, well, is it? Uh. Well, here's a good example. There is a guitar company based in Bristol whose name I am not going to mention. This happened a couple of years ago. Um, Nuno Betancourt applied put through an order for a custom guitar. Now, Nuno is phenomenal. Amazing. We both appreciate Nuno. He's incredible. Insane. Uh, lovely, lovely guy as well. Um, as we both also know, not only does he play an extreme, but he is Rihanna's guitarist. And he does a tremendous job of it. He is incredible. He's fantastic. Now, he applied. He put through an order for a custom instrument via a Bristol guitar company. And they turned him down. Do you know why they turned him down? Because he played with Rihanna. Because he plays with Rihanna. I just, oh, I just. The owner of the company said, you don't just play metal. 
you play pop. I don't make guitars for pop. How, in, how ridiculous is that? There's is no such thing as a pop guitar, though. No, you know what no, I mean? No, exactly. So does that mean if I buy, if, if I put an order through and play the D major, the guitar is going to fall apart? Or does it mean if I play a 1564 in C major, does that mean the guitar is going to set off a beacon? Yeah. And the creator is going to come around and go, you've, you've been playing pop progressions. I'll have that he's, back, please. He's put mics in the, in the pickups. Yeah. So you can yeah. hear it. Yeah. But can you see what I'm saying here? That's ridiculous. That's like hurting business. That, no, it is hurting business. Someone of that level has gone, I'd love one of your guitars. Someone of that level. Imagine the amount of people who don't know this company exists yeah. and then Nuno's playing his guitar. Like, you'd be like, oh, Nuno's playing that now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I want to get a custom one made as well. But that's, that. this is, this is the thing you say selling out doesn't like the whole concept of it and people act, you know, throwing accusations around doesn't really exist anymore. That happened. That happened less than 10 years ago. But again, I would say it doesn't account because that is the guitar company sticking to their beliefs and values. Yes. So then, so if they would have made that guitar, but been like, we don't, we don't actually believe in that. We did it purely because he was going to pay us some money, I would argue then they'd sold out. True. But if he had just been in extreme, do you think he still would have said no to him? Oh, no, I think he would have, he would have said yes. Exactly. So in, in, in that, that alone, yes, despite the fact the guitar company went, no, that's selling out. I'm not doing that. They still see a Nuno as selling out. Yeah, so I, I get what you mean. Like the concept of selling out in that thing, there is an element of selling out there. Yeah. So yeah, that's what I I'm agree saying. with you on that on that front. I would say that the guitar company, through their actions, didn't sell out. They stayed true. Yes. But for a perceived negative effect of like why yeah. I, I don't understand. Don't yeah, understand. I mean I mean these examples, we 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 could be talking about these examples all day. <laughs> I've kind of I've kind of made my point, but um well, let me yeah, make mine kind of, then. It's kind of just weird, like the whole concept of, oh, selling out. Oh, I, as much as I sat here and I was like, yeah, that Maroon 5 thing is terrid. Um, who cares? Adam Levine certainly <laughs> doesn't. So why should I? He can know? still play guitar very well. Exactly. And his albums coexist with me. It's not a problem. There you go. But yes. Okay. So we're talking about these, these 80s, 90s hardcore bands and the scene therein. So when bands from that scene got big within them, and then they took the plunge and signed to a major label, whether a resulting album was their best work, which you could argue Dookie by Green Day was, or their weakest, so Mine Is Yours by the Cold War Kids, fans went as far as to turn around and not face the band on stage when they play a song from their major label. It's like literally turning around being like, we do not want to hear this. You have wronged us. Insane. Here's a quote from a Beatles fan club member called Kathy on the Beatles, hitting it big. The cavern owner, Bob Wooler, got up on stage with a telegram. He looked terrible. We thought something disastrous had happened. Please, please me has reached number one in the national charts. The lads themselves just stopped and looked at him because the Beatles were on stage. They thought he was joking. He must have been. 
Lots of people who didn't know the Beatles started cheering and clapping. Three rows of girls at the front all started crying. It was a terrible night. We knew then they'll get famous and go away. They won't belong to us no more. That mentality of the Beatles are ours, they're homegrown, we don't want them to go away. They signed to a major label and put out this record. They're going to go away. I think then they only played the the cabin one more time and apparently John Lennon didn't really want to play it. So there's definitely an element there that the Beatles either was part were part of that before this kind of hardcore scene really made it into what I'd say a trope of that late eighties, early nineties hardcore scene was, was that you don't sell out. That's quite interesting. Yeah. I, I didn't even know that was a thing really. Yeah. So to me, that is enough basis. There's starting to be more of a thread here, more of a basis of foundation of like the Beatles sold out. They, they took this plunge. People metaphorically turned their backs and went, yeah, we're not happy with this. So yes, they were. The Beatles did, you know, like a lot of things seem to kind of invent this kind of uh, environment. So they're sick of playing long, long sets for not much money, backing up other artists on records they don't really care about. Uh, Brian Epstein comes in works at NEMS, NEMS record shop, says, I want to manage you. I'm going to get you better gigs, all these things, but on these conditions. So he goes to them. Stop eating on stage. Stop swearing on stage. Have matching haircuts. All wear smart suits. The first two had nothing to do with how their music um, was perceived, whether in Hamburg or Liverpool, because if they were playing good in Hamburg, like I said, they get sent up beer and alcohol. Um, it was par for the course as well for audience and band members to swear at each other. They used to do it quite a lot. Um, nothing about it was shocking, really. Um, the matching haircuts and our famous Beatles mop top was originated from Hamburg, anyway, from their friend Astrid Kutcher, who I want to say Ashton Kutcher. This sounds too much like Ashton Kutcher, but Ashton Kutcher did not invent the Beatles mop top. Um, Klaus Vormann was her then boyfriend. He went on to play bass in John Lennon and George Harrison's solo projects. The last change was the one that split opinion. Now, Lennon famously hated wearing the suits and a little protest, you know, because he loves a bit of a protest. He used to uh, loosen up his tie, yeah? Undo the front button. That'll show him, yeah? There you go, Epstein, have that. But he still wore the suit and he still went along with it and still signed everything and did whatever. But he's like, ah, how's that tie? Wonky enough for you. So, ooh, little rebel. Little bleeding rebel. Um, but Epstein knew that like having control of their image and making them appear as likable and professional as possible would establish their career in music. They get their foot in the door. When Ringo joined, he went from a full bearded teddy boy with a duck's ass haircut, mind, to a clean shaven suit wearing mop topper. So he completely changed it up. And he was like, that's what you do. That is what you do. As long as the music stayed the same, did it really matter that they wore a different item of clothing? just meant they could get more work. What did we do when we were like, we want to make more work? Okay, let's dress a bit more contemporary. Instead of just what we would wear chilling around the house, let's maybe put on a nice button up. And it definitely adds to the success. It definitely adds to the work we get. Um, I'll wait for that question for a bit later because I want to keep on with the odd info. But So yes, Lennon. He was quoted as saying, I'd wear a balloon if that's what it took to be rich and famous. He had a baby on the way. He had to marry Cynthia because back in those days, having a baby out of wedlock was considered very 
uh, not the traditional thing to do. So you got married. So he's obviously going to think I need to make money here. And being a new dad and trying to be in a band was almost impossible. You know, even being making money from being in a band was almost impossible. Um, but this upcoming quote helps put this blasphemous idea into place. And I haven't even talked about the songs yet. This is from John Lennon. The Granada people came down to film us. This is when they're in the cabin. And there, were, there we were in suits and it just wasn't us. Watching that film, I knew that that was where we started to sell out. So John Lennon has said about his own band, I seen us in the suits, we're selling out. Merit, thoughts on that, please? I mean, yeah, he's defined it himself. That's how he feels about it. Again, it is John Lennon, so of course he's going to say that. Of course he's going to feel like that. It uh, stands to reason, doesn't it? He hated it. George Harrison hated <laughs> the suits as well, but you just put them on and whatever. So would it be any coincidence that when they stopped touring in about 1966 and they started doing Sergeant Pepper, suddenly no more suits? They were kind of wearing what they wanted. They didn't have to smooch any promoters. They didn't have to keep up this image to all the fans. Admittedly, their suits got a little bit, I'd say, more contemporary, but they were still wearing a uniform up until 1966. Um, yeah, so I would say, question for you. We know that image plays a huge role in why fans are attracted to artists. So if the Beatles made the same music, they did, but they kept their Hamburg look, which was leather jackets and jeans and those um, Teddy Boy Winkle Picker shoes. Um, what impact would that make to their legacy? So you still get Hey Jude, you still get something, you still get Sergeant Pepper, but they're always wearing leather jackets, Winkle Pickers and black jeans. Um, I think that when you really, and that's and that's how I feel about it. He's dodging the question. I love it. I love um, it. And on furthermore, I also think that when you really dig into the, <laughs> oh, and that's just... what I think. Uh, I mean, I could be. What impact would it have? So, I mean, yeah, they're all uniformed. They're all rocking the same haircut, same suits, shoes, you know. I think a lot more people would have been scared of them to begin with because you look at early Beatles photos, videos, they are the most unintimidating band ever. Um, I think if they were um, pushy enough to keep um, keep wearing the, that clothes keep wearing those clothes there the album that wasn't released with the original photo the one with um the dolls and the butcher costumes yeah yesterday and today yeah that would have been pushed harder they would have just been like well we didn't compromise on what we're wearing so why should we compromise on the music we're releasing the way it's packaged like who cares um yeah i i think a lot more people would have been more afraid of them so you're saying that it would it would spill out into other things. So artwork, yeah, so. everything else, every aspect of their career would, would so. also change along with the clothing. Okay, makes makes a valid point. And I, I think please, please me wouldn't have been please, please me because 
as you said, it's a uh, very, very clean cut, very, very, clean very, very bubblegum pop, you know. And everyone, you know, oh, the Beatles are a mate. Yeah, they are. Oh, but today's music rubbish. Yeah. Same genre, pop. <laughs> it's very, very accessible. It's very accessible. Yes, there are differences. Of course, there are. But it's popular music at its core. If you look at the chords and the lyrics, very much so. Nine times out of ten, there, there, there is affiliation. You know, it, it lines up. It's the way it is. Short music with catchy lyrics, catchy melodies. Yes, there is a band. I acknowledge that. Yes, some of the chords may be not more complex as such, but it'd be more stuff you wouldn't expect to hear now. But that's because of the time we're in. But at its very core, it's pop. So yeah, I think I think please please me would have been different. Um, maybe drastically so because obviously as we know Lennon got to a point and he's releasing Year Blues which I always talk about but I love Year Blues you love Year Blues um, and he's saying about you know one of the main reasons he wanted to leave the Beatles is because he wanted to go back to his rock core uh, his rock and roll core and this is obviously where it comes from because as I'm sure you'll agree nothing nothing hits you as hard as the music that you first heard that inspired you the first things that blew your mind nothing hits you as hard as that so obviously Lennon's going to be living on that train and he's gonna be of course he is he's gonna want to be back on that rock and roll train um so yeah and I mean rock and roll especially in the 50s it's all about rebellion it's all about the divide between parents and kids you're not playing that record in this house because it's not Mancini. Get rid of it. I don't want to hear that. Yeah, no, 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 no. Yeah, it's horrible. Oh, it's a bloody din, isn't it? And there's always a disconnect. Um, and music's a big part of that. Music, drugs, lifestyle, you know, the way society perceives younger people for all time, for all time, has always been, oh, bloody rebels. Oh, what music? they let? Oh, the music's loud. Oh, turn that bloody, oh, that bloody din. Turn that racket off. Oh, get some Brahms on. Oh, that bloody, you know what I mean? Oh, look at what what's he wearing? What's he wearing? You ain't going out house like looking like that. Why you live under this bloody roof? You'll abide by my bloody rules. You're not going out wearing that Spider-Man 3 outfit. Nice. Inside um, joke there. Love that. So it's and even down to the haircuts, apparently, correct me. If I'm wrong, I'm ready here. Don't worry, everyone. I'm here to save the day. I would say even Mr. Bolton could correct me, but I feel like the buck stops with you here. I'll I'll take this one. Walton can have a little rest. He can can sip his his little hot drink. He's been working hard. I bet he's been working working hard. hard. So, Walton, don't worry. I've got this, all right? (laughs) Shoot what you want. Am I right in saying that when they were first on the TV and women were going mental for them, men would openly go, oh, the Bloody wigs! They wear them wigs. That's not that's not their real hair because they were jealous of it. When they went to America, they did that press conference. At, uh, I think it's JFK Airport. Um, one of the questions was, "Are you wearing a wig?" Yeah. And George Harrison's like, "I got my hair cut yesterday," and nice. not a funny line, but apparently it was really really funny. Um, there are clip, there are clips of George Harrison that crack me up. There's very one, sarcastic. Yeah, like. there's there's one where like there's an interviewer asking them how the gigs are going. You've seen it. You've definitely seen it. It's early. It's early on, and they're like, "Oh, how are the gigs? Go- how are the gigs going, then, boys?" 
and George Harrison leans into the microphone with a cigarette and he's just going, just blowing smoke all over the microphone. Something about the way he like almost misbehaves just really resonates with me. Could say something in the way he moves. Tracks you like no other beetle. Could be. Anyway, so, yes, uh, that was that was the point. Yeah, they thought they were wigs and they were asked and George said, oh, I got my hair cut yesterday. And Ringo's going, peace and love. Peace, <laughs> peace and love. My real name's Richard. Peace and love. Dick Starkey. That's him. Got like that. Dickie Starks. So, yes, of course, that the image, their image was dated by the time you got to please, please me, that, that leather look. It just wouldn't have worked. So they had to change their image. I agree with that. Maybe suits was the best thing to do, but doesn't mean the songs have to change. So let's go into the songs here. I haven't really spoken about the songs. And this is another main point. Please Please Me seems to lack that raw power and wildness they cultivated in Hamburg, relying on songs from musicals and Motown songs to push forward the image of four young and charming lads who always sung with the female fans in their minds and hearts. The Beatles of Hamburg were a much more alpha male type of group, focused on getting people up and dancing, creating a whirlwind of chaos and fury that rock and roll always strive towards with rebellion. There's nothing there that couldn't be continued into commercial success and popularity. The parallel universe, the Beatles keeping their leather jacket image, belting out Little Richard songs with full gusto, keeping their rebellious image is essentially what the Rolling Stones ended up doing in the late 60s, early 70s. Do you agree with that? Yep. Not Maybe not verbatim that, but the Rolling Stones definitely was that kind of like um, greasy funk rock kind of uh, bluesy kind of rock they're known for now. And that was their later period. Great. I think it's great. So it proves that you don't have to necessarily change or sell out to be able to still have success. It's more of a fact of maybe we should do this as a calculated decision to allow us success. Let's look at the slower, or if we look at the more slower, more pop-oriented songs from Please Please Me, that's 11 out of the 14 songs. Misery, Anna, Chains, Ask Me Why, Please Please Me, Love Me Do, P.S. I Love You, Baby It's You, Do You Want to Know a Secret, A Taste of Honey, There's a Place. They are all pop songs. They do not have a rock and roll urgency. They did play these songs in Hamburg and in the cavern. And again, this was from when people were coming at half free hungover and you just need songs to fill up. So that's what they would do. Um, And when they play in the cavern, their afternoon sets, they want to play a couple more songs so they could be on stage longer. Might as well play a taste of honey or something like that. The only three that leaves is I saw a standing there. Rock and roll. Boys, which is a Motown song anyway, but played very rock and roll. And Twist and Shout, rock and roll. Those three out of the 14 are what I would say only gives you a taste of what the Hamburg Beatles were like. So they've definitely got a huge repertoire and they've gone right. Let's just pick those. Let's just pick those. The album was definitely made to hit the pop market and they weren't a pop band. Another another kind of... Uh, statement i'll put there playing it safe the whole album plays it safe that's what i think it is so i've already explained where they picked up all the repertoire come on past marv you've already done all this mate come on come on so 
to, just to make a point, you say how safe it is. It is very safe. I do agree. But it starts with I saw her standing there. It does. A rock and so, roll tune. And it ends on Twist and Shape. A rock, a rock and roll, roll tune. tune. Very true. But could you say that it's misleading because people go, right, people who know the Beatles, you know, oh, they're, they're a great rock and roll band. I can't wait. I can't wait this. You get one, two, three, four. You get the hit. You get the... I don't think it was a single, but like you get the kind of one of the signature songs straight off of the bat. And then you get all this poppy smaltzy stuff, I which I say. feel uh, 2000s Weezer fits in that category. They release a really, really good single like um, Pork and Beans from the Red Album. And then you put on the Red Album, you're there like this. What is this song I'm hearing right now? Why is he rapping? Why is he rapping about tipping over cows? I don't get it. Yeah, I mean, it, it, in a way, like the the album must have had somewhat of a jarring nature when it came out, because I mean, well, two points I'm going to make actually. Number one, they used to have those booths, didn't they, at um, record shops where you yep. could go and slip the record on, get some headphones on, and listen to the record. Um, it must have been like imagine going in, hearing I saw her standing there, and being like, "Yeah, I'll buy it. That's fine." And then going home and having all the like boisterousness. I think that's yeah. a good word. Yeah, boisterousness of I saw her standing there. Um, you know, starting with the count in and the, the guitar solo and the wow, all the like screams and stuff. And then you got the world is treating me bad. Misery. It's just like, ah, oh, he pooped on my parade. It is a little, yeah. I never thought about that before. Actually, how that's nor did I. A little bit jarring when you really, really, yeah, consider it. Um, yeah, interesting. Yeah, a bit jarring. A bit jarring. So, this outrageous statement: <laughs> the Beatles sold out. You know, I'm starting near, to, yeah, starting to starting okay. to coalesce. I'm getting towards okay. the end. Don't you worry, listeners. I know it's about six hours long, but this is how long <laughs> the Beatles sets were, right? So. And I've skipped a lot of my notes, all right? I'm going to put these notes up. It's a bloody good, good essay. Good, good essay. lad. So obviously, Ringo Starr has joined the band at this point. Pete Best was booted out because he just wasn't good enough for their audition. So they're back in the cavern. They're building up their hometown fan base. They used to put Pete Best at the front. And he used to get pulled off of stage by girls because they were that frenzied and they liked them that much. So... He was a big integral part. So when they swapped him with Ringo Starr, the infamous thing of, um, you know, the banners of Peter forever, Ringo never, or let Pete rest, Ringo's best. You know, this kind of split division of, you've changed something here. We don't like it. And then the band go, okay, well, we need to make a decision. We've already made the decision. You either stay with us or you don't. George Harrison essentially said that or something cruder down the mic and he got headbutted in the eye. So all to protect Ringo, basically like, you know, Ringo's our buddy. He only wants peace and love. Ringo, Ringo does need protect. Ringo does need protection. Well, yeah. he famously or infamously uh, when he, I can't remember exactly where he played in America, but I think the Ku Klux Klan were going to, they claimed to, to they were going to assassinate Ringo because he was an English Jew so he had a Ringo had a security guard next to him who was supposedly was going to catch the bullet, and every time he finished a song, he put his, he 
push his symbols down and hide. Now, the big factor is Ringo Starr's not Jewish. No. But someone wanted to kill him. So <sighs> what's the welcome to him? What's the welcome? It's the, it's the KKK. I mean, they're... Yeah, exactly. There's one brain cell between them, and that's usually out to tea. So, I mean... And that's 50 brain, brain cells too many. Yeah, exactly. So, but no, that's interesting. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so while Please yeah. Please Me shows the versatility and range of musical repertoire the Beatles had accumulated through their Hamburg and Cavern sets, you know, it wasn't they never played these songs. It definitely is versatile and it's definitely a very, very good debut. So much so that it was one, it was the first um, album that wasn't like a spoken word or a soundtrack album to stay in the charts for over a year until it got toppled by their second record. So it's very impactful, very impactful. Um, it does lean heavily on their range of the pop music they could perform. Out of their top five most played songs live, this is until 1966 or even 1969, um, four of them are based in typical rock and roll structure. So Twist and Shout, Long Tall Sally, Roll Over Beethoven and Can't Buy Me Love. The other one is She Loves You, which I would say is a strong contender for the Beatles at their early era best. Yes. She loves you. Um, and at one point, one of the heaviest things on uh, out of the time. Weird to think, isn't it? That was the Very heaviest weird. song. Very weird to think about, certainly. And this is where I guess even more interesting. Please, please. It was essentially their live set recorded tape. But is this collection of songs, the best representation of the Beatles sweating away down in the cavern? Mez? Yes. And no. Because if they were playing these songs uh, at the cavern, then absolutely. But the implication is they weren't just playing these songs. They were playing other tunes. They were playing more rock and roll tunes. But obviously, this album, this debut, was made to market to a pop audience. It was marketed to a wide audience. You know, it had to be accessible. So it's almost like, a, yeah, you're going to have somebody, some of that silly, bloody rock and roll. Yeah, you do. So... It's not a true representation of what the Beatles were like live. As I said, yes and no, because they used to play these songs. However, the implication is they played a lot more rock and roll than that. So it's 70%, you know, just like, oh, that's a nice song. Oh, isn't that lovely? Oh, listen to the melody. <laughs> and it's 30%. Get that bloody Din off. Oh, I'm going deaf. I am. Oh, oh, you're not leaving the house wearing that. Yeah, uh, bread and dripping for tea, and you'll be happy with it. Peace and love. But yeah, that's what I think. Thank you very. That's what you think. Well, I think no, it's not the best representation. This is the best representation. I like that. This is the best representation of the Beatles as a product and what they could become to their new audience of young teenage girls who idolize them as much, if not more, for their looks and image than the music they made. Now, let's go to Shea Stadium. Beatles, they're playing in a baseball stadium. It's the first time any band has ever played in a stadium, right? They couldn't hear themselves, let alone the audience hearing them. The image of them in real life created mass hysteria. The image of them on a cinema screen when you had a hard day's night in help, caused mass hysteria, screaming, and urine-stoked sheets. I'm going to say that again. Urine 
or urine-soaked seats. Girls used to wet themselves because they were screaming so much of even just seeing the Beatles. Bearing in mind the image of the Beatles wearing suits, shaving their beards, having mop tops, having their ties done up. At the image, not at the music at all. They wouldn't have had that image if Brian Epstein didn't go change this, this, this. If they were still wearing all the leather stuff, not as much, not as much. So all that Ringo could do at the stadium shows was literally play a simple beat because if he started playing a fill, nobody could hear anything. He had to watch Paul McCartney's mouth to see where he was in the song. Lennon mimed a whole song. No one noticed. They were declining musically on stage. So their technical performance, they were very dissatisfied about. They were so fed up at those last stadium gigs and couldn't wait to stop. I think George Harrison was like, oh, we played Shea Stadium again. Literally can't remember. It had become boring. They couldn't even play any songs from their latest album, Revolver, at that point, due to their sound changing radically back to the old hits. Um, that, to me, is a very, very big telling point. A very big telling point. And to end all of this, there's a very good quote by John Gustafsson, who was in a 60s um, kind of beat band, who then was the bass player of, I think, Duran Duran or Spandau Ballet, one of those bands, 80s bands. He said, if you never saw the Beatles at the cavern, you never saw the Beatles. So it implies that all these people that went and saw the Beatles, bearing in mind, most of, if not all of the, their gigs, they're the ones in Japan, were screaming, shouting, hardly hearing them at their fame. So it was the image of them, the product that they had created and been a part of that Lennon hated originally, didn't want to do it, said that they'd sold out. They sold out for fame and money and success, albeit they made some of the greatest music. So it's a good example of selling out, but they changed their sound. You look at all of their rock and roll songs that they played. Some of them did seep through onto the second, third, fourth albums, even on Help. They were bringing back songs from their Hamburg days onto songs there. One After 909, which is on Let It Be, which came out in 1970, is a really old 62-era Lennon and McCartney song. Good old rocker. Even then, that's a Back to the Roots album, which is a different episode entirely. But you can make the connection that... They sold out, went pop, leaned really heavily on their pop image. It bit them in their, in their touring run. But when they stopped touring, they suddenly stopped wearing the suits. They suddenly started making music they wanted to make. In regards to, they didn't have to worry about playing it live. So they didn't have to think about their audience. Another aspect of the kind of selling out issue. And if people are going, if you weren't at the cavern, you never seen them live. And when you've got Paul McCartney, well, when you've got John Lennon saying like, our best stuff wasn't recorded. We were, we were the best when we were at the cavern and we were the best at Hamburg. That's shown a raw side to us. That's the person that was in there, in that Beatlemania saying it. So this is why I think you can really make the claim that Please Please Me is a sellout album. Now, to make a conclusion, not to try and backtrack or discount anything I've said, I don't believe in, in people selling out. I don't believe, especially in music. I just really believe it's, it's very, very, it gets misconstrued a lot. Like how you can have a symptom, 
but it can mean a million different illnesses, right? You can have, oh, I'm fatigued. That can be anything from cancer to just eat an orange. You know what I mean? Malnutrition or something like that. And I think that's what happens with selling out. In your case, Maroon 5, I think what they did it, they did is, I think what they've done is you listen to what elements came in, trickled in for their albums. They just went, let's just take them and do that. Their music hasn't really changed. You could argue that the Beatles music didn't change because all they did, like you said, they took their pop songs and just went, let's put these forward first because we know that it's going to help us. They still played those old songs. And when they had to do 20 minute sets and state and in theaters and things, you had to play the hits. It's like going to a festival. So it had a purpose and a function, but I still believe that they they sold out because they wanted to be rich and famous. They sold out because they knew that would work. Does that make sense? They knew that would work. Yep. Absolutely. And you have, you've charmed me. Have I, have I, have I, um, have I kind of not convinced you, but has that, has the point that I was trying to make, does it actually make sense? And you can kind of see my side of it. You've made a compelling enough argument for me to agree. Yes. I love that. I love that. So I'm going to say my conclusions and then we can bloody go. We can go. Here we, we go. Here we go. Only a few so, more yes. minutes, folks. There you go. Every, every artist that has switched their sound and become successful from it has not sold out. They simply found influence from other artists and wanted to incorporate into that existing sound. Every artist that has made simpler music, short songs, easy to follow structures, has not sold out. Like Metallica, when they are playing songs from Man Justice for All that could go up to 11 minutes long, they look down at their six, seven song set list, which lasts for over an hour. They look at the faces in the crowd and people are actually bored because they just can't keep up with well, that's a really good Lydian scale. Oh, that's, well, that's a very, this is very, very good complex music, but no one cared. So let's condense that and do Enter Sandman and Sad But True and sell a gazillion records. It doesn't matter that it sold that much. That wasn't the aim. They wanted to connect to their audience. And that's what it's about is connecting to your audience. I don't even think that having your song on an advert is even considered selling out anymore. It used to be sacrilege, like Rolling Stones with a Ford. With 40,000 tracks going on Spotify every single day, you're trying to grab people's attention. You, you want people's attention. So if, my, if my, any of my songs, cough. <coughs> nice. Triple bill, triple water. Any of my songs that I made were used for adverts. Oh, yes. Get them on there now. I want people to hear it. And I want people to go, who's that? You get fans that way. There is nothing wrong with that. What did you say that you, you said, oh, I heard this. Oh, it was on Skins or something, wasn't it? Caius. You heard Caius first yeah. on Skins. On Skins. So you could go, well, Caius sold out because, you know, that's not keeping it real. Does it really matter? You found a genre of music that you now really, really like, and it enables you to like other things. Someone else would have found out Angel of Death by Slayer on Skins and then become one of those gatekeeper metalheads. I don't think it really matters where you hear music from. It, the thing that matters is, can you actually hear it on something? And when talking about major label artists or any artist signing a contract, here we go, the golden one, they have agreed to be in the music business 
and that the art they make becomes product, no matter how arty your product is. If you aren't attracting fans to your gigs or getting people to listen to your music, let alone buy it in a physical form these days, you have a failing business at your feet. No one's going to take that on. You can be as arty as possible and still get people coming to your gigs and build up that fan base. If you want more and you want to make it kind of your job or your career, there's no reason why that signing up to a major and getting someone else to help you out is selling out or even changing your sound. If swapping shorts for a smarter look and taking out the space in the middle of your song means you can establish a fan base, sell tour tickets, and prove to your label that you are sustainable, you can start to undo that top button. You can eat your lamb doner kebab on stage, mess, extra garlic mayo, maybe a little bit of a pickle on the side, bit of onion, bit of tomato. No, not, not for Don't you. Don't need it. Don't, Don't need, need it. it. Um, you know, for your next album cycle and all those things. So that is my ramblings. That's what I think. I, I just struggle with the concept of selling out. I really don't think that it is what it is. I don't think it's really a thing anymore. And you're never going to know someone's true intentions because I think a lot of the times there's so many other factors at bay that they're the main cause of it. Like with Maroon 5, probably the label going, you know, music has changed a bit. If you want to be a pop act, because you are you are labeled as a pop act, maybe go in this direction. Try that. And if they've gone, no, the label could go, bye-bye money, money, bye-bye contract, contract. And as they're ripping it, Adam Levine goes, no, and rips his shirt off and goes, look, I've been working out, all right? I've been drawing on myself. And they go, lovely. You've got moves like Jag, and they've gone, let's write that down, all right? Get on the voice. And they found a liter of oil <laughs> and poured it all over him. There you go. Um, Marv's in the corner going, <laughs> am I crying or coughing? Coughing. Okay. I sound, okay. Coughing. So I'm coughing, but I'm crying because I'm coughing so much. I never said you were crying. Well, uh, he's caught me there. I don't I cry. Yes, you do. Love that. Love that. So yes, if you agree with me or want to even try and, even understand or even if you want to try and have a debate or a discussion about the Beatles selling out for their first record, please comment please down me. below. Please, please me. Oh yeah. Love to hear what you're thinking. Love to hear your feedback. I want to hear about what you think about Maroon 5. They're always a band like Coldplay and Kings of Leon that always get brought up in. They sold out. They always do. So we want to hear it. We want to hear the comments. We want to hear the feedback run yes. to our houses scream at us you know within within normal parameters yeah, you know maybe, maybe maybe not is there a quick is there an easy way to do that over the thing internet we can do the internet you can type it up yeah do scream the, at us through words yeah that's a good idea that's a good idea but scream um, us through words. thank you all for listening we have been 50 ways podcast uh oh, yeah. and we're going to leave you with the dulcet sounds of the ocean